Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. It's 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Carrie Davis is here. Matthew Rocchio is here. I'm Randy Carricker. CD, good morning. How are you doing? Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I just got a pass from Yuri Collins. So yeah, the, the, I mean, he was dishing <laughs> him out last night, yeah, left and to, right. So. To everybody. Everyone. Yeah. To the tune of, yeah, to the tune of 20, 20 assists. Slew beats Tennessee State last night, 80-63. to Collins with a Billiken record of 20 assists. Only nine players of all of the players that have ever played college basketball, only nine have ever had more assists in a game than Yuri Collins had last night. In the history of the game. Yep. That is absolutely amazing. More than Magic Johnson ever had in a college <laughs> game. More than John Stockton ever had in a college game. He is a um, – he, he – the way he has his pace and the way he controls the offense is is spectacular. He he does not rush. He's not going to be rushed. He's not going to allow himself to get um, lose composure. And he's going to find his guys to to make plays. And you know, kudos to the guys for knocking down the shots because even though you pass it to them, they still got to knock it down. So uh, good win by the Billikens. Good job by him. And you know, overall, just it's a good team to to watch yeah. them play. Yeah, they're they're really good and. They are back home against SIU on Saturday. By the way, the guys that do have more than 20 assists in a game, Mark Wade of UNLV in 1986, Kevin Scarborough of New Mexico in 1987, Anthony Manuel of Bradley in 1987, Avery Johnson did it twice. He did it for Southern against Alabama State January 16th of 1988. Trey Young of Oklahoma had 22 assists December 19th of 2017. Avery Johnson's other uh, 20 assists effort was a 22 assists effort against Texas Southern on January 25th of 1988. Tony Fairley of Charleston Southern in 1987 did it with 22. Sherman Douglas of Syracuse, we all remember him, mm-hmm. 1989 had 22. And the all-time record held by Cameron Parker of Sacred Heart, December 1st of 2019, he had 24 assists. Those are, that's the list of college players that have had more than Yuri Collins in a game. I think that list tells you a story as well, how much the ba- the game of basketball has changed mm-hmm. over the last 20, 25 years, 30 years, really. He, most of those numbers were in the 80s. Uh, two of them were Trey Young and then 2019. The game has changed drastically from, from how it was played, you know, mid-80s, late, early 90s to, to where we are now. Yeah, there is not as much passing, nah, right? Not it's, as much emphasis on on getting the ball to other guys. No. It's it's a you know a lot of these same teams catch it and go and and you know that's why I like the Warriors how they play basketball. Everyone touches the ball, and that's what Travis said last night at halftime. The problem that he had was with the offense was only one or two guys are yeah. touching it as we come down the floor. We need everybody to touch the ball yeah. before we put it up. Yeah, I mean, you when you pass the ball, when you're able to swing it, it gets the defense out of out of um, out of position, and now you find a guy that is a wide open to make a shot as opposed to taking a contested shot and you're usually a better team when you're taking when you're taking wide open shots one other note quick about the 20 assist threshold and we mentioned that magic stockton nash kid they never did it Avery johnson did it four times he also had 20 assists 
two other times in 1987 and in 1988. So Avery Johnson was uh, a point guard for Southern. Pretty good. Yeah, I, I like how you, you pointed out that the get everybody's hands on the ball because they were really doing that early, like right out of the gate. Javante was bringing the ball up. Javon was bringing the ball up. Uh, they didn't do that a lot in the second half uh, because why would you when you have the best point guard in the country? Just let him carry the ball and let mm-hmm. him let him start doing crazy things. I mean, Travis said it in the post game. He's like, usually during a game, you'll whip out one or two passes that are like an oh wow pass. He's like, he had five or six last yeah. night. He had one. He had this one underhand pass to a cutting Gibson Jimerson. It's that's a pro level pass because the window he put it into, the little spin he put on it. I mean, just the way he just t- took advantage of the timing and just. Just jet, jetted it over there. I mean, not being able to rifle the ball at that speed with one hand, and it's it's a skill. You, well, you take for granted how easy that is. It's a skill. It's not just him. My wife said of Jimerson, how does he know that's coming? Because <laughs> Yuri's not looking at you. Right. It's pretty impressive. When you play with a great point guard, you understand you always have to be on alert. You know that ball can get to you at any time, any kind of way. So you're always eyes on him seeing where the ball is going to end up because you never know. It could end up right in your lap and you ready to make a layup. The Blues host the Hurricanes tonight. Hockey fights cancer night over at Enterprise Center. Robert Thomas scheduled to return for the Blues after a game away because of a lower body injury. CD yesterday, Alexei Torres Chenko was sent to Springfield on a conditioning assignment. We tend to forget that he really didn't do anything because of the shoulder surgery from the end of last season until mm-hmm. the start of this season. He, he missed training camp and really has never had an opportunity to get into a groove. And my guess is that the same things that Jake Neighbors did down at Springfield, go down and play all the minutes, go down and play power play, PK, and just get himself into condition yeah. and be ready to come back and play for the, the Blues in the NHL. My guess is that around Christmas time, Alexei Toropchenko, if not before, will be back. Yeah, it's hard when you're not getting the time on the ice or, or not getting the reps. It, it makes it difficult to stay in shape, to stay crisp. So to go down and, and get some more opportunity to play is always a good thing. Hopefully he gets back uh, sooner than later and is able to, to help this team out. And we're going to talk later on about the Blues schedule coming up in December, but they aren't being done many favors by other teams. Uh, the uh, Edmonton Oilers last night with a win over the Blackhawks 5-4. to four. Obviously, that keeps the Blackhawks at bay, but the Blackhawks aren't making the playoffs, and at least Edmonton, you might have a chance against them for a wild card spot, and every game is going to count here. This is going to be a tight race for the Blues to make the playoffs. To me, CD, they're a borderline playoff team, and we're going to be talking in the last week of the season about them making it or not. Yeah, they are. They, the thing is, they're not. They're not too far behind. I mean, no. you, you're you're four points behind the Edmonton Oilers. You, a couple of wins and a couple of losses by them, you're right back in the thick of things. It's just. Right now, it's you're sitting at eleven and eleven, and and we we're feeling like we're looking at a team that's going to be five hundred, pretty much the entire year because of the the drastic win and loss uh, records and, and and streaks that they've had. Hopefully, they can string a couple of wins together, as you said yesterday. Maybe a ten game streak where you go seven and three, mm-hmm. six and four, where you're you're and you get a couple of those. Now you're starting to put yourself in a position to make a run towards the playoffs. And there's only a few teams in the NHL that don't have a legitimate playoff shot. I would still think Buffalo has a ways to go. Buffalo, Philly, Ottawa, Columbus in the east, and Arizona, Chicago, and Anaheim in the west. Otherwise, you're going to have a tough schedule. College football, the Rose Bowl, and we talked about this yesterday, has agreed to modify starting time so an early college football playoff can happen in 2024. It'll be a 12-team format that has the top four teams getting buys, and then week one, the bottom eight will play against each other, and the winners of those games will play the round of eight the following week, and there was concern 
concern on the part of the Rose Bowl about the traditional start time that they've had. Well, they agreed last night to be able to move, if necessary, the start times of the Rose Bowl. So we're going to have an expanded college football playoff. By the way, CD, why go to 12 and not 16? It's going to take the exact same amount of weeks. Yes. Uh, that, to me, was was intriguing. I guess um, I guess it's one less game for the uh, for the top four teams or, or so they don't have to play those games. Mm-hmm. But if you have 16, I think you have a better – I mean – there's nothing better, in my opinion, than March Madness. And then you you, you get the the 64. I don't I don't count the 68. That that, that doesn't count to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get the 64, and then you get down by the by the end of the weekend. You're 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 at your Sweet 16, and you know which teams. You that's when the the the, the best teams in the country are still there. I like 16. That's that's a, a, a you know I enjoy seeing those 16 teams have an opportunity to win a championship. I think it would be great for football. I don't know if you could brand mm-hmm. it the same as as you do for for basketball Sweet 16, but you could figure some things out and, and make it happen. And we should note because you and I, you for different reasons, are fans of the Rose Bowl. Heather Dinich of ESPN reported that the Rose Bowl was given an ultimatum: either agree to terms or risk being shut out of the next television contract. Oh. <laughs> Well, that's not really a, a, an ultimatum, is it? No. And that, 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 no, that sounds like somebody so, somebody's choice was making your choice for you, weren't they? Absolutely. So that'll start, and I'm not sure if it's for the 2024. It must be the 2024 football season, so it won't be the 2024 bowl season, unfortunately. So that'll be still two years away, but that'll yeah. give Eli Drinkwitz time to get his team ready to be top 12 every year. Yeah, there you go. And Brett Bielma. And Brett Bielema. Yeah, I, so, I, we got some work to do. Yeah, well, we both, both will get by, so they'll, they'll have time for extra work. There you go. <laughs> Sounds good to me. The U.S. <laughs> men's national soccer team will play on Saturday against the Netherlands. Still questions, Heather, as to whether Christian Pulisic is going to play, Weston McKinney and St. Louis and Josh Sargent. And, CD, those are you, you have 11 players. You have three starters that are out. You've played on offenses that have missed three starters. It doesn't matter what three, you're going to be affected. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. And, and by the way, three really important players. And and pelvic contusion is the is the Ow. injury report that, that you have for Christian Pulisic. Ouch is right. It, it, it sounds to me like he got need in, in a bone down there. Mm. That, that that is painful, Randy. It's hard yeah. to to walk, let alone run six or seven miles. If you have swelling, or if you have pain, or if you got, you know, it, it's some. There are some injuries that it doesn't matter how much time, you know, it, it doesn't matter how how quickly you think you can come back. Like if you get need in the thigh, and you don't have thigh pads on, it's going to be some time. It is a brutal injury, it, and then the blood just starts mm-hmm. pooling to that area, and now it becomes red and purple, and yeah, so. I don't know how bad this injury is. I don't. It doesn't sound like it was just in the in the man regions. It sounds like yeah. it was it was a bone or something like that, and that can be a, a, an issue. Um, well, Doctor Character not. can help you out. Okay, Carriker. what you got? Okay, so a couple of things because I've I've studied both internal medicine. Okay, and uh, the, the the bone structure, which is uh, you know muscles and bones. Disclaimer: Randy Character is not a real doctor. Okay. <laughs> So anyway, if you have an internal issue, like if you have flu, if you have COVID, if you have any internal issue whatsoever, go to Walgreens, get the high-powered Sudafed and a a Mountain Dew. And wash down that high-powered Sudafed with Mountain Dew, you'll be golden within six hours. All right, doesn't matter what you got, you'll be fine. 
uh, for my friends that have musculature issues or bone issues, it's a couple of Advil and a Mountain Dew. Just okay. pop a couple of Advils and a Mountain Dew. If you're hurting, if you think you can't go in a soccer game, Randy. Advil and a Mountain Dew and you are golden. I, you'll, you'll be fine. I wish you were around when I was playing in the NFL. Because yeah. I would have been, I, I was clearly that. doing it the wrong way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, was, I was clearly trying to figure some things out in some in some other ways that that you could have you could have gotten me resolved much quicker and, and and been back on the field and not have an issue. And you any don't issues. want to overdo it. I mean, this is uh, just two, two yeah, two, yeah, right, no more, yeah, right before the game. Okay, and you're, you're fine, Randy. I, I I've taken uh, something that I think was a little bit stronger than that before uh-huh. a game and didn't and, do as well. Oh, I did wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I was wonderful until about 11 p.m., 1 a.m. that night. I, I, everything felt great. You stand in line, Randy, and... <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> you, should, <laughs> you stand in line, and you, you, you stand in line, and you, you pull your pants down, and you get a shot in the butt cheek, you're and fine. you're good. To, Randy, you can run through a wall. Unbelievable! That, if I could t- listen, we got we we could talk about it. I, it hey. Smelling salt in the bottle is another one. Uh-huh. You put about five or six of them in there. Yeah, no, that's a different animal. Because oh, so I, I've got my orthopedic, I've got my internal. I don't have my uh, my neuroscience oh, degree. Randy, you 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 talking about running through a wall? <laughs> oh, it ain't a wall strong enough to keep you from running through it. Huh? <laughs> It's awesome. That's great. So good luck to uh, the USMNT on Saturday, and hopefully they'll get those guys back. And uh, they won't be, well, hey, if you need to shoot up. You got to do what you got to do. Why do you think the 06 Cardinals won the World Series? <laughs> they had one of those lines, too, man. And get they, in line. Uh, you'll notice that in the last weekend of the season, most of those guys weren't playing in a game one of the playoffs they were. <laughs> Just saying. Get in line. Hey, the Cardinal front office staff, speaking of the Cardinals and alumni and Fred Bird and Team Fred Bird, are going to be ringing the bell for the Salvation Army's 75th Tree of Lights campaign at the Schnooks on the Hill on Arsenal tomorrow starting at 10 a.m. By the way, happy December. Oh, it's it December is. Already. December 1st. Yeah. Wow. Unreal. So tomorrow, December 2nd, the Cardinals are going to be at the Schnooks on Arsenal. Those who donate $5 or more will get a 2023 Marty Pass redeemable for two tickets to a Monday through Thursday home game during the 2023 season. That's a $5 or more donation while supplies last and some exclusions will apply. Now, Rick Horton is the co-chair of the Salvation Army 75th Annual Tree of Lights campaign. Matthew, can we get uh, Rick Horton on the show tomorrow? He'll be... uh, starting this his work at, at 1 o'clock, so we'll be able to get him. But here's the thing for you, kids. From 10 to 11, Michael Gersh, the Cardinals' vice president and GM, and Danny Mack are going to be ringing the bell at the Schnucks on Arsenal. By the way, that's Danny Mack's old stomping grounds. Uh, from 11 to 12, Scott Terry. From 12 to 1, Scott Cooper, former Cardinal, along with Team Fred Bird, uh, along with Fred Bird. Uh, from 1 to 2, Rick Horton, Cardinal alum, broadcaster, great guy. From 2 to 3, Al Roboski. From three to four, John Mozella, Cardinals hey. president of baseball operations, will be ringing the bell at the Schnooks on Arsenal. Mo is going to be going out and raising money for uh, the Salvation Army Tree of Lights campaign. And then Team Fred Bird from four to five. So your opportunity to go over and thank John Mozeliak for all the winning he has brought to St. Louis in his tenure. Never had a losing season as the general manager, president of baseball operations for the Cardinals. And you can thank him for being so creative and doing so many great things so that you aren't the Reds or the Cubs or the Pirates exactly. or the Brewers or the Padres or the... Uh, Did you say Marlins? 
Marlins. Yeah, yeah we can we, the, we can keep going. The Phillies had a few losing yeah. seasons before getting to the World Series this year. So yeah, you can thank him. I like Mo. I, 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 I wish I wish people here. Listen, until you are in a city where you have no opportunity to win every year, you have no. You you should not complain. You you, you yeah. shouldn't. Right. You will. I know you will, but you shouldn't. Yeah. Because it could be drastically worse. That's, and I, I would love to have the Cardinals win the World Series, but you know what? Last year, the Los Angeles Dodgers won 106 games. This year, they won 111. How many world championships do they have out of that? Eh. If you really look, do a deep dive into the baseball postseason sometime. And people don't want to believe that it's random. I hear people on our air say, I want certainty that they're going to win in the postseason. There's no There's certainty. There's no such thing <laughs> certainty in the postseason. There just those, is not. Those guys are on scholarship, too, as, as we used to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's CD. I'm Randy. Coming up, we just gave you an opening because next up, 65780, the Air Comfort Service text line, sick of it, is coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Gary Davis, Matthew Rocchio, Randy Carricker, and you, 65780, is our Air Comfort Service text line. And we invite you to be a part of the program for Sick of It here on 101 ESPN. And Sick of It, by the way, is the product of Bradley Beal's wife a couple of years ago, hopping onto the Twitter machine after another Washington Wizards loss in which her husband had scored 47. And she just put three words out there. She said, sick of it. And I thought I, th- I thought, thought it was awesome. Michelle thought it was awesome. Michelle took it a different way, though. Her tone was sick of it. Like, you know, the, the, the deep breath and sick of it. So anyway, whatever uh, we're sick of. And CD, I got to tell you this. We have this four-team playoff. Mm-hmm. And we have six teams that are worthy, at least six teams that are worthy of being in the playoff this year. The playoff is going to expand to 12. I don't know why this committee doesn't think big. I'm sick of the fact that they don't think big because it would take as many weeks to play a 16-team tournament as it will to play a 12-team tournament. Yeah, I don't know why they didn't do 16. Who knows? Who knows what goes on in that room and the thought process behind how they sort everything out. Sometimes you're left wondering. I guess there's no perfect answer. You're always going to have people that are upset uh, or not no appreciative of what they do have or what they're getting but i agree with you randy i think 16 would have been much better than 12 yeah and hey those teams they don't need a buy no that mean we'll be fine yeah it'll be fine um randy you know i i am i am i think i, I you know football is my is my thing right mm-hmm. I, I love the game of football and what i love about football i love basketball too i, I love these sports i love it because year-round, you're getting information. You're getting things. You get the season. Then you get the postseason. Then you get the offseason. Then you get the preseason. And and so I say all that to say this. I am sick of the baseball free agency offseason period. I'm sick of it. It's it's sickening. Ridiculous. It is sickening. I want information. Mm-hmm. I want something. Give me something, man. Give me... Give, I, we, we, we talk every day. Is it Trey Turner? Is it Wilson, mm-hmm. Wilson Contreras? Are they going to trade for Sean Murphy? What are they doing? What are we doing? Where are we at? Cody Bellinger. Sick of it. Give Mo. And here's give me something. Here's the there are two big things here. Number one, 
basketball, football, hockey. Everybody wants to get their money before the salary cap space is gone. Yes. Right? There's no salary cap in baseball. The other part with baseball is that, and I've mentioned this before, with the analytics movement, there is a similar price that every team has on every single player. There is a, a price per win above replacement for every single player, and everybody has the same information. So every offer is going to be the same, and I don't know why the players don't make a choice sooner because they know that too, but they don't. They don't make their choice sooner, and it, it's almost like Scott Boris kind of holds baseball at bay because he has most of the good players, <laughs> and he's waiting for that biggest contract, which isn't forthcoming anymore. So well, it's not going to be. That I long. mean, if you're Aaron Judge, are you not just sitting there, like, what are we doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, can it I? Be I easy. Can, we. It, it should be easy. I know there are three, four teams that want to offer me three, four hundred million dollars. Which one wants to offer the most? Mm-hmm. Sign them up. Let me see him. Let me visit. Let me talk to you. And let's get this done. Yep. And by the way, a player can go to those four teams and say, okay, give me your last best before midnight on December 1st. Last best because I'm signing tomorrow. And and for me, if I'm a player, I want my money now. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. Wait. Anything could literally anything could happen in two months, in two months time. There are that we, we we see a lot of information, news coming mm-hmm. out every single day about people getting arrested, people getting in accidents, things happening. I want to make sure that I have my future secure before anything else could happen that, that I have no control over. I'm with you. That's a good thing to be sick of. All right, Matthew, what do we got? Well, we have a lot of people who, I mean, misery loves company and uh-huh. carry, and a lot of people are feeling the misery about these NFL, these MLB free agency. And there's a, there's about 10 different sick of it here. Let's sick do it. of the MLB free agency going so slow. I'm sick of no offseason moves in Major League Baseball, not just the Cardinals not making any moves, but early no teams are making any moves. Uh, I'm sick you're of saying ba- Shelby Miller. I'm sick. <laughs> Your Houston champion, Houston Astros. Signed Jose Abreu. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, hey, come on, yeah. guys. Jeez. Yeah. Something's happening. Spe- yeah, right. come on. Beggars can't be choosers, guys. Come on. I'm sick of the NHL not upgrading the fan experience on TV. They have so much technology and flare tracking that we can get so much more data on the screen to make the game more fun to watch on TV, which is already more fun. And then also camera angles. I want to see. I don't want to see on the f- no flying on the broadcast. I want to see a power play. It's a very long text. I'm just going to cut it off there. No, that's cool because. <laughs> I do believe that hockey television presentation could be enhanced by showing the game from the ends. I used to have tickets in the ends, and I loved watching mm-hmm. from the ends, especially on the power play when you see everything getting set up. Yeah, I think that it's actually better to see it from the end than it is from the side. There was a time, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, was it, where they were highlighting the puck on TV? Yeah, the Fox. Yeah. The, the, what I, was it, the Fox tracks or something? I, I hated that. Yeah. I thought it was terrible. Yeah, I, I wasn't know, a fan the, of it. The, the trail they have on the puck in the in, in the in game uh, mm-hmm. they do video yeah. board's really nice. Actually, yeah. it's actually you, I see what they were going for back in back in the late nineties, early two thousands. They got it much down. You know, the computers are much better now. I actually kind of like it. So, you know, it helps your, how you do know. you how do you make it? How do you you said from from the ends that would be the best way to make the game better for you to watch on, on television? TV? Yeah, and not the whole game, but I think especially as you're setting up a just power just different play, angles. Yeah, yeah. And an overhead shot from the scoreboard, you know, with an automatic camera, would be pretty cool. Speaking of technology, I'm sick of computers calling offsides in the World Cup. If it's so close that it takes a computer to determine it, let them play. Get it right. I say get it right. I say get it right as well. Don't be offsides. It's a, it's a, you know, it's it's very close. But for those that have been playing soccer their entire lives, they know 
Now, I'll tell you this. The Blues have been cost a couple of goals in the playoffs because of replay of offsides. So I don't like that because it happens to me. <laughs> there but otherwise, been, I say get it right. There have been a couple of offsides here in the World Cup, which I, I agree only on the fact of there's been times where the player's feet have not been offsides. But he's as he's running forward, he has like a forward kind yeah. of lean, and then his arms are offsides, and then they call that. And I think that's a little, that's a little BS. Okay, so... This will be heresy to the soccer people, all right? Your full body needs to be offsides, in my opinion. What's the point of offsides in soccer? To stop people from cherry-picking and making it too easy. To stop people from scoring. There it is. Well, making it too unfair to score. To stop people from scoring, Yes, is what he said. But, I mean, you don't want people cherry-picking in basketball. And you don't want... Do you want people people cherry-picking in basketball? I like scoring. That means means they're not... they're, they're, They're... Yeah, why not? I don't know about you guys, but I, I was taught to I was taught elbow shivers to people who cherry pick in either of those sports. <laughs> is that, am, I, am I wrong? Yeah, am I, no, do you not, is, are so you not the, supposed to knock somebody on their, in on their backside when you they cherry pick? Here's what you do when you have a teammate that doesn't get back on defense and cherry picks. You don't throw him the ball. He's just standing down there. Mm-hmm. Hey, <laughs> yeah, I see you. Yeah. <laughs> Stay down there. We'll be down there in a second. Yeah, but you you put a good offensive performer in a position on the other side of the field, and he can get one on one against the goalie. I think that would enhance the action point of the of the whole game. But wouldn't it? Wouldn't the game just devolve into? I don't know. I don't know enough about <laughs> soccer to know if it would devolve. <laughs> Randy, you I are the, the soccer honest. aficionado here. You told us the, it's a yeah, match. I was, I was about to Actually, ask you a question. Hold on, and it's not to... soccer. It's football. We have been football. saying it yep. wrong we for, for the last true. I was, I was week about and to ask a half. You a question Two about weeks. the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> so the the NHL got rid of the red line and it 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 opened, opened up their the sport. Up. So come on, soccer people! It's the 2000s. It's 2022. They still have offsides, huh? Because you don't want because you, why why is there offsides in hockey? Well, there shouldn't be. That's oh. what I'm saying. Open it up. Everybody just free for all. There's, like, go. there's like 14 goal games in all hockey. Right. You think you need to open it up? More? I'm sure a lot of people have seen this text, but I will read this text to you that I got the other day. From a friend, and it says, <laughs> How to fix soccer. Did oh, you see this? Oh, no. yeah, I saw this. <laughs> the Jeez, field, is, this is, the not... field is huge. Shrink oh, it. Yeah. Too many players on the field. Limit to three forwards, two defenders, and a goalie. Players should get to come in and out whenever they want. Don't stop the game. Shrink the goal. Ice everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Until that last point, I was like, oh, cool, we got an indoor soccer fan. <laughs> and they ruined it with that last one. It's just a hockey joke. Uh, Thanks, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. And thank you very much for your text. We do appreciate them. And that wasn't me, by the way. That was somebody else that put that up on the social media. <laughs> next up, we're going to talk some ball. All these moves that are happening with Greg Amzinger of MLB Network. He's next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and uh, Greg Amsinger, lead anchor for MLB Network, a product of the Lindenwood University, a native of St. Louis. He's standing by on the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, and we got to find out, first of all, if Greg Amsinger is locked in on the World Cup. Greg, how you doing? Uh, no, I'm great. I'm a bit befuddled at the moment. Yes, I am locked in the World Cup. Lost my voice the other day. <clears throat> Sorry. Lost my voice the other day screaming for Team USA. i got to get that back. <laughs> by um, Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> 
because the winter meetings are, are going to be taking place. Oh, that's right. So listen to listen to where I'll be watching uh, the World Cup Saturday morning. Listen to where I'll be watching. I've got my best golf at, golf outfit on Saturday morning. Get ready, Tory Pines. I'll be teeing off at nine a.m. out west. We'll all be watching with a little breakfast burrito in the morning uh, in San Diego, playing Tory Pines on Saturday, my friends. I know you're jealous of me for that. Totally jealous, but so <laughs> proud of you. I'm living vicariously through Greg Amzinger. It's, it's 25 <laughs> degrees in St. Louis, Greg. It's terrible. It's like 30 here in New Jersey. It's, it's going to get the 41 sunny 15-mile-an-hour winds. Why do I know that? Because I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. What, what is wrong with me? Hey, Greg, you talked about the winter meetings. Um, my question for you, is there going to be any surprise free agent signings or trades that we don't see coming? Yeah. I mean, for everything I'm hearing, there is a, a lot of excitement to get back to the way things used to be. We haven't had the winter meetings since 2019. So having everybody in one facility and everyone can like meet face-to-face and not just through Zoom, uh, they're going to have their suites, they're going to be entrenched, they're going to be ready to rock with their staffs. They want to get some stuff done that would make their teams better. So, yeah, I, I think I would not be surprised if Aaron Judge ends it at the winter meetings in San Diego. I, I, I foresee just knowing Aaron the way I do, I, 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 he saw – the big press conference at the winter meetings when the, the Yankees acquired Giancarlo Stan, how big of a deal that was at the winter meetings years ago. I think he would like to have a big press conference and make it a big deal at that marquee event, which I still think is one of the most overlooked sports events in North America. If you can go to the winter meetings, go. Because you're just rubbing elbows with everybody. I mean, you'll eventually run into Greg Amsinger at the bar. Yeah. That's always a good time. So you should go to the winter meet. <laughs> Greg, on this very program, you have expressed confidence that the Cardinals would have Trey Turner on their opening day roster. Does that confidence still exist? Yes. This is a game of chicken. And everyone's sitting back knowing that Dave Dombrowski needs to get a shortstop. So the Philadelphia Phillies are up first. And everyone wants to see what's going to happen there. Usually the team that has the glaring need is the team that doesn't get the, the marquee position player that is clearly there, there's a void in their roster. What do I mean by that? The, the Mets a couple of years ago clearly needed a catcher. So JT Realmuto used that as much as he could during leverage and bargaining, and he didn't strike a deal. They went with James McCann. They went with plan B. You go back years in free agency, and you'll see examples just like that. I think Dave Dombrowski goes with the safe hand that's a guy at the same age, basically, of Trey Turner. And it's someone that he gave a deal to before when he's with the Red Sox. I think Xander Bogarts goes to the Philadelphia Phillies. It's not going to be as much money as Trey Turner. And that's going to leave Trey sitting out there. And will the Yankees pounce? I know they've got two young shortstops they're excited about, but they're the New York Yankees. Will the Cardinals sit back and let this type of talent sign elsewhere? You can't just go, ah, we're good. Mason Wynn's going to be a good show. Okay, fine. Let him play shortstop. But this is a unique talent. He can play second base. He can play center field. And Trey Turner gives you flexibility, which adds an immense value. His, his body has been exactly the same since he was drafted, brought up to the big leagues, starred and played in a World Series with a broken finger with the Washington Nationals. He looks the same. He slides the same. His swing is the same. He is a safe bet. To go get, and I just think you have to start looking in the post Paul Goldschmidt era. It's it, it, he's next in line. We talked about Yachty when when those days come to an end, and Wayno, and this will be his last year. And 
Now you got to start talking about Paul Goldschmidt is in his mid thirties. I know he just won an MVP, but to think he's going to pull a Tom Brady, you're fooling yourself. So you got to have that next superstar to be the wingman for Nolan Arenado. I think Trey Turner's it. They're going to lay in the weeds and say catching's our number one priority. Uh, we're going to want a left-handed bat. We might add a piece to the bullpen. But the longer Trey Turner sits out there, I just don't see the Cardinals overlooking this premier player, not just shortstop, player. To let him pass, I think it would be a gigantic mistake. Greg, with Molina and Pujols gone and the imminent departure of Adam Wainwright after this season, who is going to be the face of the franchise for the Cardinals? Nolan Arenado is the face of the franchise. I mean, when I interviewed him on the night of the MVP show, and I said, look, I'm always a fan of things I'm, I'll never see again. Uh, baseball always gives you a moment that you'll you say to yourself, I don't think I'll ever see that again. And what I meant by that while we were interviewing Nolan Arenado is we will never see a player lead his league in war and be a finalist for most valuable player and not opt out of a contract. We'll never see that again. And I asked Nolan, why did you not opt out? And his first, and the first part of his answer, which, Randy, I know you watched the show, mm-hmm. he goes, I love St. Louis. And, and let me tell you something. That matters more than playing like a Hall of Famer in St. Louis. Nolan Arnado fell in love. It's the perfect fit for him. Not only does the organization want to win as much as he does, Every single fan in the ballpark wants to win as much as he does. Every single fan that comes up to him at Deerberg's. <laughs> I haven't said that name in a while. Every, every well done. At Deerberg's wants to win as much as he does. So he is the face. He embodies all of the instincts that y- Yadier Molina and Albert Pools have and had. He's that guy now. So no one are not, it's me, is the face of the Cardinals. Hey, Greg. Uh, if you were the Cardinals and you were looking for a catcher, which one of these three would you would you prefer? Would it be Wilson Contreras, uh, Danny Danny Jansen, or Sean Murphy? And why? Ooh, that's a really good question. You know, I've been diving into this. Tito's the most overlooked catcher in baseball, and he's been the most overlooked catcher for the last five years. Omar Narvaez, N A R V A E Z, kids, just go ahead and Google baseball reference. Omar Narvaez, left-handed bat, which I know the Cardinals are in search for. Great hitter for a catcher. And defensively, I mean, the Milwaukee Brewers' top three of their rotation, which is one of the best in baseball, they all love throwing to him. He's been, he's been a guy they want behind the plate. Omar Narvaez does not get enough love. He's an offensive force at times that, let me tell you, if he's hitting seventh or eighth in your lineup, you've got a good lineup. I think Omar Narvaez kicked the tires. Cardinals looking for a left-handed bat. You're looking for a catcher. You can blend the two together with this guy. Um, I would strongly consider him. If you're not going to go that route, and, and obviously the way scouts view these three that you just mentioned, they're the top three available. Sean Murphy is going to be a perennial all-star. You're going to have to give up a lot of talent to the Oakland A's to get him. Uh, Will Scutreras, I mean, think about this for a second. When was the last time we saw a free agent who entered free agency as a catcher? And, and that's all the only position they played, by the way, catcher. And their 162 average is 28 home runs and over 90 RBIs. Who who has had that? Mike Piazza, maybe? I mean, it's crazy what Wilson Contreras has been able to do, but you're going to have to pay a ton of money to get Wilson Contreras. 
Wilson? Do you want to do that? Do you want to pay a lot of young talent to get Murphy? Do you want to pay a lot of money to get Wilson Contreras? If you're going to pay a lot of money, why not slide all that over to the shortstop position and have a star up the middle for years to come to go along with Goldie and Arenado? That makes more sense to me. I think you could go cheap here. I'm not kidding. I, I, I could go off the radar. If I go all in and put all my chips with Trey Turner, I'm cool with Austin Hedges who's a gold-glove caliber catcher behind the plate. You're not really looking for offense. You've got Trey Turner, you got Nolan Arnato, you got Paul Goldschmidt, you got Tyler O'Neill, you got Dylan Carlson. I'm, I think you're okay, right? Yeah. You go Austin Hedges or Jorge Alfaro, guys that are behind the plate that are rock steady. So I, to me, the catching position should be plan B because you've got so many options and so many different price points and experience levels. So, that's just me. And John Mozeliak, who I'll probably run into at the winter meetings this weekend, will give me his opinion on all my spouting off on your show. <laughs> so I can't wait for that. Hey, Greg, one last baseball thing. On Sunday, a Hall of Fame committee will vote to determine the Hall of Fame fates of Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, along with uh, the crime dog Fred McGriff, Don Mattingly, Albert Bell, Kurt Schilling, Rafael Palmero, and Dale Murphy. Do any of those eight get voted into the Hall of Fame this weekend? I think two do. And I wish there were three. Um, Fred McGriff, I believe, will get voted in. Sure. I don't know any information that you don't know, but I, I'm just telling you my instincts here. Fred mm-hmm. McGriff and Dale Murphy. Uh, if I had it my way, Don Mattingly would also be elected into the Hall of Fame. The reason I say that is this. The resumes for Hall of Famers will get smaller and smaller as we go forward. Careers aren't going to last as long. And as you look down the road and you realize that a Hall of Famer will in 15 or 20 years have a resume that looks eerily similar to Don Mattingly's. (laughs) Okay. Mm -hmm. Why not get ahead of it and recognize that Don Mattingly of the three players I just mentioned, by the way, McGriff, Dale Murphy, and Don Mattingly, Don Mattingly had fame on his side. He was the most famous of all three of those guys. And he was must see TV back in the day where there wasn't cable everywhere in every household. You couldn't wait to see what he would do with the bases loaded all those grand slams in one year. Uh, I believe those are three Hall of Fame players. When Dale Murphy can say that I was the best player in a league for six or seven years, that, that to me, that's a Hall of Famer. You're a center fielder hitting almost 50 homers. I mean, if, if the Andre Dawson 1987 season didn't happen, we're looking at one of the great center field seasons of all time from Dale Murphy. And then Fred McGriff is just the definition of consistency. The OPS, the on-base, the slug, he had everything. Um, he just didn't have the big personality that if he acted like Joe Carter, he'd be in the Hall of Fame already. Joe Carter didn't have the career mm-hmm. Fred McGriff had, the consistency, but people just took him for granted. So I really think McGriff is definitely a lock to me to get in, but I'm really hoping Murphy and Mattingly also get their name called. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned those two together because for a six-year period, 1984 through 1989, Mattingly was the best guy in the American League. And at that same time, Murphy was one of, if not the best guys in the National League. Obviously, Mike Schmidt was there at that time, too. But certainly winning two MVPs and... You don't get credit in baseball for being a good guy, but one of the really great people in the history of the game in our lifetime, Greg. I remember Joe Torre telling me on the day that Dale Murphy retired, he sent Joe Torre a handwritten note thanking Joe for helping him through his career. How many baseball great baseball players are doing that, sending a handwritten note to a coach or manager saying, hey, thank you for being such a big part of my career? 
I love that. And you know what? You just brought up a good point. If you're on the fence for Hall of Fame you know, legacy, if you could talk your way out of it like Kurt Schilling did, why can't you talk your way into it? If you're a guy with a resume that's teeter-tottering and we just don't know, what's wrong with your life and the way you've been and how you treated people pushing you and nudging you over the top? I'm cool with that. Me too. Right? Yeah, good like thought. Jim Cott was a, is one of the great people I've ever met in my life. That should add merit to his resume and push him over the top. So, yes, Dale Murphy, and look, by the way, Don Mattingly, awesome, awesome guy. I mean, I love hanging out with him in the winter meetings every time I see him. You know, Evansville, Indiana, he still lives there, just a salt-of-the-earth human being. If, it, if you could hurt yourself with the things you do off the field and the things you say and the way you act, why can't you help yourself? And get your your maybe that can nudge him into into Cooperstown. Fingers crossed. Like that idea. Are you going to uh, carry? Hey, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, my, mine's a golf question. Well, I was going to ask you. Yeah. I, I think uh, Greg over Thanksgiving break, Randy forgot to do his homework assignment per oh, usual, no. and did not get his hype video oh, message yeah. to you. I didn't send you my script. <laughs> okay, that's got to happen. That's gonna yeah. Happen. I mean, uh, it'll happen. And, and and don't put me on the spot and ask. Don't ask me to ad lib it right now. Oh, no, no, no. Like oh, he didn't do it. I, I Don't did worry not. About it, Greg. You didn't do it. I actually thought about it <laughs> in, in one of those moments where it was like all about Randy. I said, you know, I got to make this, I, I got to get Greg this script of how great I am so that he can read it on the air. And I did screw up. Are you back from yeah, San know, Diego next Thursday or are you still in San Diego? Where are you next Thursday? Uh, I'll be flying back. Okay. Yes. So there's not a getaway so show. Maybe we'll uh, do Friday. Thursday. Can we okay. Yeah. We, we, yeah. You know, why don't you put it out there to your, your 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 listeners? Which day would they like to hang out with Greg and Randy and Carrie on the radio, and then let oh. them make the decision, and then you know <laughs> get interactive with it a little bit. We we should actually do it during the meetings, right? So like Wednesday should be the right when the meetings yeah, are still I mean, going whatever, on. Right? We can do Wednesday. I mean, I might be playing golf. I might have Sean Casey and Cameron Maven sitting in a golf cart with me while I do it, but I don't care. We'll you, do you, you aren't going to be playing golf at five thirty in the morning, brother. You don't think so? <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, are you going to hit a simulator today or tomorrow before you make the trek to San Diego? You're going to get you that swing what? completely about, grooved. So about three years ago, I realized that going to the range wakes up muscle memory, right? Gets mm-hmm. you a little bit, it, it, it reminds me how bad I am. So I stopped going <laughs> to the range. So my first swing is always on the first tee because I can hit an accidental good shot and go, oh, well, maybe a, a good player's in there today. And I don't want to remind myself how bad I am. That gives me no confidence going into a round. Have a great time in San Diego, and we'll set it up with you at a time that you are not on a golf course, but not at 530 in the morning West Coast time either. Yeah, we'll figure something out. Whatever you guys, whatever you guys want, man. I'm here for you. And I'll, here for you. I'll email you that script so that we can uh, we can get that taken care of. Doubtful, Randy. That is doubtful. <laughs> Have a great day, my man. You're the best. Take care, guys. See you later. That is the great Greg Amzinger on 101 ESPN. He's awesome. He is amazing. It's fun to talk to him every week. Coming up, take it or leave it. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. I'm 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. 
Get your text into 65780 and give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Get your texting now to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. If you are driving, we urge you just to text us uh, here on 101 ESPN. Kerry Davis, Randy Pull over and text us. Pull over. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, pull over and text us. Stop at a stop sign. Yeah. Or a stoplight. Text at 75 miles an hour going down the highway. Don't do that. So, uh, CD... Russell Wilson, Mr. Unlimited's birthday was Tuesday, Mm -hmm. and Sierra threw him a birthday party Mm -hmm. for his teammates, and uh, reportedly about half of his teammates showed up, which means, obviously, that about half did not. Take it or leave it, if you're a Bronco, you show up out of respect for Sierra and the ability to hang with her for an evening. No question. You you that's why you go. Yeah. I mean if yeah. she if she takes the time to to reach out and send you a, a, a message or a card or any email, a text, whatever it is, yeah. Because hey, Randy, here's the thing. Hey Sierra. <laughs> here's the thing. If you are a single player on the mm-hmm. on the Broncos, Sierra has friends. Oh yeah. She has friends that are probably gonna be at said party for her husband. You don't miss out on an opportunity to go to that party and be around Sierra's friends. I'm just saying. Kerry Davis is playing chess, not checkers. <laughs> you don't have to like Russ, but you got to make a business decision situation. for yourself. Just letting you know how you how you play this thing. <laughs> You're right. You're 100% right. Speaking of quarterbacks, Kyler Murray has, has eh, not been great this year and, and had some former teammates speaking out about him. Uh, in terms of he is a, a selfish player and he's all about him. Take it or leave it. Kyler Murray is who people used to think Dion was. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. But people thought Dion was, but he wasn't. He was exactly. He wasn't. Right. He wasn't. But Kyler that, is, but Kyler is yeah, that. I'll take that. What they thought Dion was, you know, in the '90s playing baseball, the the. The the braggadocious is the word mm-hmm. he used the other day. It, it's just you know him being him. That's just him being Dion. This is actually Kyler Murray. Eh, maybe not that great of a guy. I'm with you. Yeah, I'll take that. All right, your tech 65780. Matthew, what do you got? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will win 90 games next season and won't win one postseason series. Oh, I'll leave it. I'm going to leave it. Leave that. Where is this negative Nancy talk coming from? Are you <laughs> Are you new? Well, well uh, yeah, new-ish. <laughs> Just you weren't here during baseball season, so that's fair. I was fair. here at the end of it. I, end, I, saw, yeah, yeah, I saw enough of it. 90 games and not win one playoff. That's, I, I'll leave that because the Cardinals are going to go sign. According to Greg, Greg Amzinger, they're going to go sign Trey Turner. There you go. Which is going to be another bat in that lineup. Jordan Walker is going to be here. Mm-hmm. Beginning of the season, middle of the season. So now you have a solid outfield. Tyler O'Neill is going to stretch and be healthy. And he's going to mm-hmm. play 140 games, 125. He's going to be healthy-ish, mm-hmm. and they're going to make the playoffs, and they're going to win. They're going to win a couple of series. I like that a lot. And, and oh, by the way, I'll, I'll just go back. To, and I know that I'm sorry, Peta, beating a dead horse here. Oh, yeah. uh, but oh. why would Peta complain about a dead horse getting beat? It's a very good. That is a very good. Valid, that's dead. a valid question. Yeah, I mean, I, I get beat, beating a live horse is a terrible thing. But a dead one. Uh, what difference does it make? Peter, 65780, you got a number. Uh, but anyway, the Dodgers 
have not won a playoff series unless you count the wild card game against the Cardinals in the last two years in which they've won 106 and 111 games. Randomness of the postseason. Take it or leave it. Dave Dombrowski panics when he doesn't get a shortstop and overpays to get Aaron Judge. Leave it. He's not getting Aaron Judge. Also, how the, the, I would be shocked if he strikes out on all four or five really good shortstops on the market. There's yeah. there's so many targets. It's not like there's two, and it's a, he misses out on the top two. It's I mean, you, if you don't get Trey Turner, you know, there's still you know, Dansby Swanson, right. the, Aaron Judge going back to the Yankees. I think he is. And Jeff Passan reports that he's been offered a record contract by the Yankees. You've already got Castellanos in left, and eventually you'll have Harper in right, although he's going to miss the first portion of the season. You've got Schwarber in left, I'm sorry, and Castellanos in right, and then you're going to have Harper. One of those three will be the DH, probably Castellanos. And sure, Aaron Judge could play center field in New York, but they have greater needs uh, in Philadelphia, I'm sorry, greater needs than, uh, than Aaron Judge. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals either make a significant trade or sign a big name free agent during these winter meetings. I don't think it has to be a big name, but I do think it has to be significant. I, uh, just in terms of adding to this team, and as you folks know, obviously they need a catcher. They don't have the catcher on their roster. But I'll tell you what, I, I look at the way teams win, and I look at the way teams have won for 150 years. And if you give me a choice between a bat and a couple of arms. I'm going to take a couple of arms. Really? Yeah. I am not. Not, not that I don't want the bat. I, I would like the bat, but I do like the idea of winning the World Series. Well, and teams that win the World Series inevitably have a ton of arms. But you got to score runs. Which well, means here's you the gotta thing. You got to have a bat. And especially now, More than Carrie, two. with the rules changes, you can manufacture runs. You cannot manufacture pitching. Do you think their teams are going to go back to that style of play, manufacturing Absolutely. runs? Yeah, Where shorter they, distance between first and second and second and third, sending I runners. So. The, the velocity of pitches is going to go down. There's going to be a whole lot more contact, a whole lot fewer strikeouts. Yeah, and right, by the way, it's hard to bunt, I'm assuming, a 100-mile-an-hour fastball up at the, at the letters, like right at your chest. It's much easier to bunt when the pitch is 92-93. I was watching something, and they were teaching players to bunt, or maybe I, with, with lacrosse with lacrosse net. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Just like catch catching it. it. Yeah, that's what you want to catch do. it. Yeah, you, you want to catch yeah. it and just deaden the ball. Yeah, that's a really good one. Take it or leave it. If the Battlehawks could call, win the championship in their first season, Randy, Randy gets the Battlehawks logo tattooed on his other shoulder. Uh, I'm going to have to leave that. <laughs> <laughs> there will, I, I can guarantee you this. There will never, and this is with all due respect to those of you that do have Battlehawks tattoos, and I know there are several out there, there will never be a tattoo that adorns this body of a franchise that has a chance to not be here. Yeah. Ever. That's not going to happen. I know yeah. the Blues are going to be here. I'm not getting the Cardinal one either. What am I talking about? But uh, this <laughs> no is Cardinals? A, it's already a, a league that's gone out of business twice. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not going to guess that three is a charm. Thanks for your text. We do appreciate it. Coming up on 101 ESPN, we heard Greg Amzinger talk about it. With Yachty retiring and Wayne retiring after this year, is Paul Goldschmidt the face of the Cardinals? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnooks Rewards. It pays to shop at Schnooks. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. 
Nolan Arenado is the face of the franchise. I mean, when I interviewed him on the night of the MVP show, and I said, look, I'm always a fan of things I'm, I'll never see again. Baseball always gives you a moment that you'll you say to yourself, I don't think I'll ever see that again. We will never see a player lead his league in war and be a finalist for most valuable player and not opt out of a contract. We'll never see that again. Greg Amsinger of MLB Network with a great point about Nolan Arenado. And the Cardinals are fortunate in that for the last 20 years, they've had Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright to serve as faces of the franchise. And they've had other players, but those have been the two main guys. And now with the departure of Albert Pujols and of Yadier Molina and Adam Wainwright retiring after this season, you wonder who the next guy is going to be. And CD long-term, it might be Jordan Walker. But right after the departure of Wainwright, you look at Arnado, and I look at Goldie. I mean, the guy is the MVP of the league. He is, to me, a Hall of Fame player, and he's a guy that is all about St. Louis. A couple of weeks ago, I was at an event for uh, Friends of Kids with Cancer, a fashion show that kids with cancer actually modeled fashions, and there's Goldie out on the stage walking with them. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, Habitat for Humanity here in St. Louis constructed a home and they gave it to uh, a family. And Goldschmidt was one of the significant charitable donators for that home. He is thoroughly invested in the St. Louis community and he's a great player and he's always smiling. I, I would suggest that Arnado's a great choice, but you can't go wrong with Paul Goldschmidt as your face of the franchise here. Well, I, I think I think when you look at Arnado, um, you know, you told me that you think he's the, going to go down as the best third baseman to ever, ever play the game. So when I look at this franchise, you have Albert Pujols, who some people say is the best right-handed hitter to ever play mm-hmm. the game. Yadier Molina, who some people argue is one of the best catchers to play the game. Those are generally your faces of the franchise type of players. And I think initially I was thinking, oh, Goldie has to be he's the MVP. But Arenado finished third in that race. He wasn't far behind. He was right there. Um, he's a little bit younger. Goldie is 35, I believe. Uh, Arenado's 31. Right. Um, so he's he got a few more years, and he didn't opt out. He chose to stay here um, after having all of those opportunities, all of the the accolades that he's he's gained over the years, and, and especially this year. Um, I think when you look at it, Goldie is probably – more willing to be the face of the franchise because he that seems to be his personality. I think Arenado called him good cop, bad cop. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, right, and yeah. Arenado yeah. is just he's just a grinded out type of guy, plays the game, loves the game. Um but if you're looking at Goldie, you would say that may be the face of the franchise. But I think inside that clubhouse, inside that dugout, those guys know that that Arenado is he's he's the one. He's how, the one that they lean to and look to. How lucky are we that we can have this debate? Yeah, yeah. Cause there are teams trying to figure out who <laughs> we don't have yep. one guy. No, look, look at a great franchise like the Giants right now. Yeah. The Giants don't have a face of their franchise. With Buster Posey retiring and Brandon uh, Belt is a free agent, he's going to leave. I don't know if Brandon Crawford is a face of the franchise type he's guy. He's been there long enough. He, 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 he probably would be. By default? Yeah, yeah. If but you, it's not because he's great anymore. Right, right. Right? And you mentioned Arenado. Since Jose Abreu, who just signed the big new contract with Houston, came into the league he has 863 RBIs since 2014. The only player in baseball with more RBIs since Abreu came into the league is Nolan Arenado. So 
in addition to being the guy who can be literally the face, he's a highly productive guy, and I yeah. do believe that he'll go down as the best third baseman ever. Yeah, I, but I, I agree with that as well. I just think when you – I think Arenado is to the team, mm-hmm. but outside of the team, like outside looking in, it would have to be Goldie. Yeah, and it's cool to me. I always like it when players make St. Louis their home and get invested into the community, and Ozzy has done that. Mm-hmm. and we, We've seen – what that has done for Ozzie Smith, right. too. He has been great for St. Louis, but St. Louis has been great for yeah. him. And if you're a great Cardinal and you stay here, you can... And I don't even know if Goldie wants the adulation, but you can be somebody who for the rest of your life is adored where whenever you step foot out of your house in St. Indeed. Louis. I mean, when you... Cardinals, and, and I say this all the time, Cardinals and Steelers are so much alike in their organizations and how the city treats them. If you are a Pittsburgh Steeler and you stay in that city and you are one of the great players, you get... You, you, Who are the guys what? in Pittsburgh that's, that have stuck around? Um, I think, well, Aaron Smith is, is still there, I believe. Mm-hmm. And then there are um, like Chris Hoke is there. Any Steel Curtain guys? I don't, th- you know what? I don't think they are. Uh-huh. I don't think they live there. Um, not that I've seen, but when mm-hmm. they are in town, when they, I mean, they always are there. You have Mel Blunt coming back. You have Franco Harris. When those guys are in mm-hmm. buildings, everything seems to stop. There is no <laughs> Joe Green comes to a place that it stops. So that's cool. I think I think Franco may still be in Pittsburgh, but there are there are you know there are a few guys that when you are in that city, it's 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 the same as St. Louis Cardinal baseball. You are you are one of their guys. They love you. They appreciate you for the work you've done on the field, and it, it's something that continues mm-hmm. for a lifetime. There's not many franchises, especially in a market this size, that could watch two guys like Yachty and Albert walk away and say, "Well, we're good with facing yeah. the franchise stars." Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> when you lose star, you lose three guys or two guys, um, and, and and one guy potentially on his last year, and mm-hmm. you still have a couple of guys, you know, in the fold ready to take over that that helm to be the face of the franchise. That's that's very rare, and 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 again, hats off to Mosellock because he yep. is the one that creates that atmosphere for them. That is today's fresh take. Kerry, Randy, with you on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Blues and Hurricanes tonight at Enterprise Center. John Kelly joins us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. Gary Davis, Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. The voice of the Blues on Bally Sports Midwest is John Kelly, who joins us now. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great, Randy. How are you guys? Everything's great, and it was good to hear Robert Thomas say that he avoided a potential long-term injury. The Blues, you know, knock on wood, uh, have him around because it's kind of like when you don't have a guy like that, kind of like driving on a spare tire. Ultimately, it's going to catch up to you. Yeah, and, you know, I think it really showed itself the other night against Dallas, Randy. It was a tight game and, you know, really a one-goal game down to the stretch. And the Blues could have used his offense and his creativity and his passing and everything that he brings. And, you know, he's clearly right now um, the Blues' most dynamic player offensively. He and Cairo, the, the young kids, so to speak, I don't know, they're, you know, they're 24 and 23. But, you know, he really is such a dynamic passer. And it, it looks like they're going to go back with Thomas Butchnevich and Tarasenko. And hopefully 
Um, he can get Tarasenko going. I know that Vladi scored a be- beautiful goal and a huge goal in Florida the other night, but for the most part, he, he's not lighting the lamp. Now, Buchnevich is red hot, so it, you know the Blues are going to go back to that, it appears, um, and hopefully that will work tonight against Carolina. Hey, John, I was uh, talking to Bernie. We were talking to Bernie yesterday, and I was asking him about asking him about Callie Rosen. Uh, he's leading the team in plus-minus. He is a guy that when he's on the ice, it seems like he always is making big plays. Do you see more opportunities for him to get uh, more time on the ice going forward? Well, you know, he's, he certainly has moved up the, the, the pecking order, so to speak. Um, you know, whether he'll get more ice time down the road, that's sort of hard to say. Uh, you know, it depends on, on play of the players, obviously, and, and, you know, potential injuries. And, you know, hopefully the Blues – stay healthy, but he's been a very impressive guy. Um, he, you know, he's, he's been in and out of the lineup to, to a degree, you know, playing the seventh man role. And, you know, I, I think the, the other night I gave the stat, he's only been on the ice um, one time all year for, he's been a minus player in one game. So that's pretty impressive. Now he hasn't played every game, but, you know, he moves the puck well. He competes hard. That's the biggest thing to me is, is that he's a good skater and he competes hard on the puck. And that's really when you break down the essence of the game of hockey. It's about competition and, and winning puck battles. And he's a competitive guy. So I like what he's brought to the team, and, and hopefully he'll continue to play well. And, John, he is the, the essence of being patient. And uh, you played the sport. I never did. But everybody that's ever played said the t- t- toughest thing to learn is being a, a defenseman and playing defense back there. And we tend to forget that he was around a long time before he got here to the Blues, and he just kept getting better and better. We're seeing guys that are still developing, right, at the NHL level. But he seems to be a guy that has things on the ice. He just has great vision and kind of has things figured out. Yeah, he's um, he's done a really good job of, of growing his game again with limited ice time, Randy, and and not knowing if you're in the lineup every single night. And, you know, you're right, Randy, it's really hard. I think that it, the, the, the defenseman's position right now in hockey is probably the hardest one to, to play and to become really good at because uh, of the rules. And, you know, you can't take your hand off your stick to touch a guy, basically. You can't even, you know, put your stick around his ankle. So, they give, to me, more benefit to the forwards than the defensemen, if you know what I mean. Um, almost like in football with wide receivers and defensive backs, um, they want more offense. And that's what, in hockey, they want more offense. So I, I think it's really tough to, to play that position. And um, he, he's really learned under, you know, not difficult circumstances, but not ideal when you consider he's not in the lineup every night. Hey, John, you spoke about Cairo uh, and, and his play as of late. Um can you talk about just the maturation that you've seen over the last, I guess, three to four weeks? He seemed early in the season he may have been struggling with some things, and now his game is is, is seems like he's playing both ends and playing very hard every time he's out on the ice. What are you seeing from him? Yeah, I think that it really sort of turned around when the Blues were in the midst of that eight-game losing streak. And, you know, a lot of players were struggling at that time. And, you know, I don't know if it was the, the coaches or the, or the players or himself that, that just got himself going, but um, Jordan has played really well and really hard. And, and I think that the game that he played in Tampa Bay last Friday night, he had seven shots on goal, scored a goal, might have been the best game I've seen him play. And then he followed that up with a really good game in Florida on Saturday in that comeback victory when he scored the game-winning goal. So he's playing really well, playing really hard. Um, I think early on that he was a little bit tentative 
maybe trying to, to pass up shots and things like that and not playing direct enough, as the coach would like to see. Um, but right now, as you said, he's working really hard in, in all three zones and is a threat basically every time he's on the ice. John Kelly with us. J.K., back in the day, let me preface this by pointing out that the Blues play their next four games against teams from the Eastern Conference. You've got Carolina here and then a trip to Pittsburgh, the Rangers and the Islanders. And it used to be that the two conferences were pretty distinctly different. It seems to me that generally the the West was a bigger, tougher, heavier conference and there was more skill, maybe not as much grit in the East. Do you get the sense that maybe the conferences are more alike now than they used to be? Yeah, that's a good point. I, re- I really do. There's just not many teams that you go into and say that's a big, tough team and they're going to try and run you out of the building like the Flyers in the 70s and, mm-hmm. and you know, some of the other teams. I mean, look at back at Randy in the, in the 80s, the Norris Division, when the Blues played the Hawks and Chase and Twist and, you know, uh, Probert was in Chicago and Detroit and, and, and all the tough guys on both teams, you know, and Detroit had a lot of tough guys with Joey Kosher and obviously Probert when he came up there. So it's way different. And I think for the most part, the big tougher teams are are gone now and they are more balanced. And to me, the teams that are successful now are teams that play with more pace and have a lot of skill. So that's to me the trends I see in the National Hockey League. And Carolina is one of the teams, the team we're going to see tonight, that really is the, the – the, the poster boy for that, if you will, they're really, really fast, Randy, as you, as you probably know, and they play in-your-face, one-on-one hockey. And if you're going to beat Carolina, the biggest thing to me is you have to handle their pressure and execute really well. So we're going to see that tonight with Carolina. Hey, John, the Blues sitting at 11-11 and 11 with 22 games in. Uh, do you have a pulse on what this team can be, or, or are we looking at a 500 team potentially throughout the entire season? Well, hopefully not, uh, Kerry. I, th- I think that we've seen a lot of, of really good things. And, you know, during the eight-game losing streak, that was obviously the, the low point of the season. But uh, I, I think that they have to be more consistent. And, you know, I, I see a couple of things. They're, they're not coming back in games. Now, they had that great comeback the other night in Florida. But that's their only comfort behind victory when down after two. And they're, they're giving up goals in bunches. And I think the numbers now are nine or ten games this year where they've given up three goals or more in a period. And that's, that's a lot, obviously. So, to me, they need to be more resilient, you know, in, in periods and in games and, and, and try to have more battle in their game, if you will. So, I, I, but I do think, obviously, when you see them play well and they've won some big games and, you know, won tough games and tough buildings like, like Vegas and Colorado this year, they're, they're a good team, but I, I think that they have to be more consistent, and, and I'd like to see um, more, more fight in their game when, when things don't go their way, like I said, with those goals in one period. Finally, John, like so many families, the Kelly family has had to deal with cancer, and the, the Carriker family, I'm sure the Davis family, the Rocchio family, we, we've all at some level had to deal, the 101 ESPN family and the, the Hubbard Radio family with the recent passing of Jeff Burton, we've had to deal with cancer, and the Blues and the NHL do such a great job, and tonight is Hockey Fights Cancer Night. And I just want to get your your thoughts. Obviously, when somebody does something to enhance cancer research, that's a good thing. But the Blues are so hands-on. Ariana Dugan, a few, a few years ago, who, who sadly passed away, they're so hands-on in their desire to, to help out with this fight. Yeah, Randy, they do a great job. And, you know, they try to bring um, awareness to 
to different types of cancers. Obviously, later in the season, um, they'll focus on breast cancer awareness and, um, you know, pink at the rink night. And, and my wife was dealing with breast cancer a few years ago, and thankfully she's doing great right now. Um, but but tonight, um, it's more about cancer and the fight, and, and um, they're going to highlight some folks that ha- have battled cancer and things like that. So, yeah, as you said, it affects every single person, um, either directly or indirectly. And um, the, the more awareness we can bring and, you know, fundraising and things like that and dollars, that's fantastic. But the Blues and their and their, their group do a really good job on, on nights like this. Um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing what tonight is about. J.K., we always look forward to having you on the show on Thursdays. Thanks so much for the time. Have a great evening tonight. We'll talk to you soon. Okay, thanks, Randy. See you. That is John Kelly, the TV voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the fight here, and we have a fighter. We've got a fighter. So he's coming, he or she, coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Matthew Rocchio, and it is time for the fight. Rock, you spent night all night doing questions, or was this an easy night for you? No, this one took me a while. This one took I, me a while. I, I struggled on this one, and I, I told I told people uh, I told these guys in the uh, in the break that I, I actually changed up a question pretty late in the game because I, I read it again this morning. I did not like it, Carrie. So I had to do a little late editing as well. This was a tough fight today. Like I said, I, it's it's there's so much going on, but I'm having trouble finding questions right now. I don't now. think you get enough credit for having to do this every day. So I'm going to give you your flowers now for creating that. these questions every night. Sometimes they're a little, I did little the math, haywire. I did the math the other day on how many questions I've done <laughs> since I started working here back in January. I think it's like 800. Oh my goodness. Have you, have you reused any? I think accidentally I've reused a couple. Yeah. But I don't mean to. Got you. Well, you do a very good job. I don't. I, I've never purposely gone back to like where I keep my old questions and been like, okay, I need one because I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling. Should. Let me grab this one. It's just like <laughs> my brain works in a very specific way, and so it creates the same question sometimes. Uh, it, it happens. It happens. Our fighter today is Mark. Mark, how are you doing this morning? Doing very well, sir. How are you? I am wonderful. Are you ready to take on Randy in the fight? Uh, ready as I'm going to be, I guess. All right, here we go. On this day in 1997, Golden State Warriors coach P.J. Carlissimo was assaulted by which Warriors player? Latrell Sprewell, Stephon Marbury, or B.J. Armstrong? I'll go Sprewell. Happy birthday to Deshaun Jackson, the only wide receiver to make multiple Pro Bowls from his 2008 draft year. Deshaun was the fifth wide receiver drafted in the second round after a first that had zero wide receivers picked. Who did the Rams take as the first wide receiver in that draft? Was that Marty Gilliard, Brian Quick, or Donnie Avery? Donnie Avery. All right, Mark, happy birthday to former Cardinal and Hall of Famer Larry Walker. When the Cardinals acquired him mid-season 2005, they sent the Rockies two pitchers, Luis Martinez and what other pitcher? Was it Javier Cardona, Ray King, or Chris Narvison? Uh, Ray King. 
Sorry, that's supposed to be mid-season 2004. That was my bad. Oh, 2004. Doesn't change the question, but right. just, to, just to be correct, and so no one's texting in about that. And a number four for you today, Mark. Which MLB Hall of Famer holds the record for the most 150-plus RBI seasons in his career with seven? Is that Ted Williams, Jimmy Fox, or Lou Gehrig? I'll go Jimmy Fox. All right, we will double-check our answers, and we will wave in Randy Carricker. I saw him. He's hiding. I see him. Mark, how you feeling? Not good at all. <laughs> Not good at all? No. Any, any question in particular tougher than the other sport? One, one was tougher than the other? Uh, the basketball. I'm not a real follower uh-huh. of NBA. But, um, you know, if you'd ask me who hit Rudy Tomjanovic back in the day, I would have remembered that one. <laughs> Kermit, uh, we Kermit, Kermit Washington? Yes. All right. Thank you. Do a little little mini trivia inside the trivia game, Randy. Randy, say, Randy is back. Say hello to Mark, Randy. Mark, good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Happy holidays to all you guys, by the way. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. Mark, Randy brought in his uh, diet, Dr. Pepper, which generally bodes well for him, not his opponent. Uh, well, we'll see. You never know. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. All right, here we go. On this day in 1997, Golden State Warriors coach P.J. Carlissimo was assaulted by which Warrior player? <laughs> I got I to get my kid's shoes. It was uh, Latrell Sprewell. It was it was great. <laughs> I don't think P.J. Carlissimo or the Carlissimo family think probably so. didn't think that. No. Lord almighty, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people wrung their hands around the nation about it, too. <laughs> Happy birthday to Deshaun Jackson, the only wide receiver to make multiple Pro Bowls from his 2008 draft year. Deshaun was the fifth wide receiver drafted in the second round after a first that had zero wide receivers picked. Hmm. Who did the Rams take as the first wide receiver in that 2008 draft? Well, they did get Chris Long in the with the second pick in that draft. Which was a good thing. And then they took, I believe, from Houston, Donnie Avery. Donnie Avery, who uh, was just hurt all the time. I think he was actually okay. He wasn't as good as Deshaun Jackson. Who's played. Unbelievable that still he's still playing. playing. Yeah. Especially when you think about diminutive, like, you know, smaller, yeah. speedier wide receivers who could have been returners. One guy, you know, was much better. Well, and the, that was the reason that the Rams... I always think this is so weird. So... What, Deshaun Jackson goes 170, and Donnie Avery went 180, and they said, well, we took Avery because he's bigger. <laughs> the guy's game is to not get hit uh, at big ever. Yeah, like, right, right. He's supposed to run away from people. They don't, they don't uh, know. You, you want a worse one? Want a worse one? Yeah. 2006, the Rams, for the exact same reasons, because one guy was 10 pounds heavier than the other, took Eddie Kennerson rather than Marvin Harrison. Oh, my God. Yeah. You would think that maybe that someone can gain ten pounds. You'd think so. Eh, yeah, pretty stupid. Eh, eh, who knows? It's not like they'd have you know success with like one hundred ninety pound wide receivers before or anything. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> Happy birthday to former Cardinal and Hall of Famer Larry Walker. When the Cardinals acquired him mid season two thousand and four, they sent the Rockies two pitchers, Luis Martinez and who? Luis Martinez, and then I believe it was a guy who actually wound up back in the Cardinal organization. If I'm not mistaken, a lefty by the name of Chris Narvison. Narvi. And which MLB Hall of Famer holds the record for the most 150-plus RBI seasons in his career with seven? Seven of those. I will do the lifeline here, Matthew. Is that Ted Williams, not. Jimmy Fox, or Lou Gehrig? Mm, Lou Gehrig drove in some runs. 
but he also died while he was playing. I'm just throwing that out there. He did play a long time, but he probably prematurely passed away. Uh, so I am going to go with Jimmy Fox for that very reason. Jimmy Fox was was B, right? The second one. Which yes. Is, yep. I'll go. With, I'll go with Jimmy Fox. Oh, man. <laughs> Does Randy character deserve to win this match? <laughs> no, I don't. And therefore, did he? I'm or did the hey, karmic, you know what? His family isn't listening. Uh. Did the karma come back to haunt Randy kind of before he even did the weird uncalled for joke about a... about a joke. It was a breakdown. It was a statement of fact. Did Randy character's statement of fact come back to bite him? <laughs> and is Mark walking away a winner? Or is Randy just feeling it after almost letting up a Hall of Famer to start the week? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is driven by mobile on the run. Join the on the run STL Wash Club for a limited time offer of $5 a month. Download the app today. Just win, baby. I had Randy Carricker. Um, I had Randy Carricker. <laughs> I had Randy Carricker minus two hundred to win four to two, and he wins four to three or three. Sorry, four three, to three. To two. Three, to two. three to two. Excuse me, I was off by just one. So, Mark, you put up a good fight. Randy Carricker missed just one though. Let's go through those answers. On this day in nineteen ninety seven, it was in fact Latrell Sprewell who decided to assault his coach. He was suspended just ten games, which in retrospect Can, seems really light. He choked him. He choked he, him. We, when you say yeah. assault, I mean, it sounds, assault yeah. sounds a assault little less. Battery. Yeah. Well, he choked the hell out of him. He choked him. Nice. Happy birthday to Sean Jackson. It was, in fact, Donnie Avery who was picked first. There were a bunch of wide receivers picked ahead of him. Uh, Devin Thomas, uh, Jordy Nelson, and then there's another one that I'm forgetting before Jordy he was, was the... Good. Jordy was, really was good. pretty good. I'm surprised he actually didn't have more than one uh, Pro Bowl. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had three Pro Bowls in his career, and it was Donnie Avery picked 33rd overall by the Rams, the first wide receiver in that draft. Happy birthday to former Cardinal and Hall of Famer Larry Walker. When they acquired him midseason, they sent the Rockies Luis Martinez and Chris Narvison. You are correct. They selected Chris Narvison off of waivers later on uh, in the 2005 season, and Lou Gehrig holds the record for the most 150-plus RBI seasons in league history with seven. Jimmy Fox had four. Today, 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 I consider myself, 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 luckiest man, 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 on the face of the earth. Earth, earth. So Randy Beach, that's what happens when you're hitting behind Lou Gehrig or uh, Babe Ruth, man. Uh, Randy Beach, uh, three to two on this one, Mark. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much for playing. Thank you, guys. Have a good day. Have you a great too, Mark. day, Mark. Randy, do you want the bonus question that I changed yeah, let's out? Do okay, it. so today is also the birthday of Reggie Sanders. So I, I, I tried mm-hmm. to build a question around the 0405 Cardinals okay. around those two to, to celebrate. I came up with one, but it wasn't great, so I changed it. Here's what it would have been okay. in that 05 season when they were both here for the full year. After Jim Edmonds, what Cardinals outfielder played the most outfield innings? In 05. In 05, after Jim Edmonds. What Cardinal outfield played the most outfield innings that year? Ooh, this is a good one. Mm. So, Dunk came up at the end of that year, so it wouldn't have been him. I'll go with Juan E. It was so Taguchi. So, how about so that? Played, wow. He played over almost not over nine hundred innings across all That's three amazing. spots. He appeared in he appeared in like fifty games at each spot, pretty wow. much. And they won hundred games. And they won hundred games that year. So yeah, that, that was the one I changed because I didn't I didn't know if the whole second in- innings thing was a little bit too obscure. That team needed to go out and get a bat. A little bit, yeah. I mean, they tried. I mean, they got they signed signed Sanders and they traded for Walker. Yeah, sounds like this team now. Yep, needs a bat. But that team won 100 games because they could pitch. <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
<laughs> Oddly prescient topic. <laughs> Coming up next year on 101 ESPN, can the U.S. men's national team galvanize this country like the U.S. hockey team did in 1980? Do we still have that in us as a country? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That was 1980, and if you weren't around or have not seen the movie Miracle, then you might not be aware that at one point, sports galvanized an entire country. And, Carrie, in 1980, we were depressed. We were down. We, we weren't an angry country like we are now. Mm-hmm. We had a gas shortage. We had to stay, wait in line for gas, and we the, the Rocky Sickman and uh, his fellow hostages were being held in Iran, and the economy was bad. I think inflation was 18%. And people were just down and depressed. And the hockey team, the U.S. Olympic hockey team that beat the Soviet Union and then won the gold medal, lifted the spirits of America. And it gave chills to people when they heard the fans in Lake Placid chanting, USA, USA, USA. And I was actually watching, just randomly came upon a clip on YouTube of that yesterday, that very clip that you just heard from Al Michaels. And it brought back memories for me because I lived through it and then obviously have seen the movie Miracle. But I I wonder now if this U.S. men's nationals team that has a lot of people chanting USA, USA at bars, can sports still galvanize a country and bring people together? Um, I think so. I, I, I think, think it can too. I think sports is the one thing that does bring people from different ethnic groups, different religions, different uh, social backgrounds. It's the one thing that brings most people together. I mean, when you look at a locker room, you have people that are from so many different places, so many different upbringings. I used to listen to country music. We had country Thursdays in the weight room every <laughs> Thursday. So uh, Garth Brooks, I got friends in low places, became one of my favorite songs. And so you 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 learn all of these different things from different people because of sports. And I think, you know, my, my sports memory, uh, you talked about the 80 Olympics. Mine would be the 99 World Cup, the Women's mm-hmm. World Cup, yeah, when Brandi yeah. Chastain scored and and ripped her shirt off. And you were like, whoa, what's going mm-hmm. on? But it was an, an amazing thing to watch the women uh, win that World Cup and do it the way that they did it. Um, so, yes, sports can definitely bring people from all over the place together. It's the one thing that ties us all together and bonds us Um, and doesn't have us fighting against one another. I am so with you. And what has to, not has to happen, but what would be cool to have happen now, and won't because there just isn't a, there isn't a villain country out there like Mm -hmm. the Soviet Union was in 1980. But I do think the further this team goes along and the more people come under the tent of soccer, like us during the World Cup, right? The more people that do and the more people that are cheering for the USA, I think we can cheer for those three words or letters, United States of America, USA. And I think it can come back. And I I remember, and Carrie, you witnessed it because you were in high school. But man, when the Rams won the Super Bowl, because it was unique, we'd never experienced that before. Like when the Blues won the Stanley Cup, it brings a community together. And I do believe that from a national standpoint, soccer can do that because we've seen it happen here. Cardinals have done it multiple times. 
You've seen it when you guys won the Super Bowl in Pittsburgh. You look at the faces at a championship parade, and like you say, every socioeconomic background, every racial background, every cultural background is represented because everybody is on the same team at that point. And and that's what makes sports the most beautiful thing. You know, one of my favorite people that I I learned about and, and read about was Nelson Mandela, and that was one of his theories was how sports can bring countries and people together. They had their own apartheid issue where people were, (laughs) <laughs> on different ends of the yeah. spectrum and, and different different mindsets. And sports can bring people from all over the place together. And, and hopefully um, the USA team, the national team, can continue to win and more fans can be drawn into soccer. It's a great game. I, I played soccer growing up. I love soccer. My son has played soccer. Soccer was really the foundation for me to be able to play football. It taught me footwork. It taught me how to use my feet and be quick and be powerful and do all of those things. So soccer for me is a an outstanding sport to play. It's an outstanding sport to watch. And if they continue to win, which we hope that they do, mm-hmm. It can be. It can bring these, bring more people into the sport, and bring more people to have fun and watching it. And I think another cool thing about this team in particular, and Matthew, you can speak to this. It's young and it, it's enchanting. It's not a grizzled group of veterans that we've heard of before. It's new and it's fresh and it's fun and it's fast. There's a lot to like about this team, just from a personal standpoint. If you watch them play on Saturday, you'll find engaging personalities, yeah. too. Yeah, it, it is fun to watch. Oh, yeah, and I think the fact that you connect with a, a generation that has gotten more interested in the European game at the same time when these players are making impacts in the European game. Like I don't I don't think if Gio Reina was playing in the MLS that you would have the you would have Twitter freaking out that the United States has kept him on the bench and isn't using him as a sub. The fact that he's playing for Dortmund and making an impact in the European mm-hmm. game just brings an extra heft to it that that now people are aware of and you know people go down to Amsterdam on Saturday mornings and watch games, you know, at, at eight o'clock in the morning and stuff like that. And people you know roll over at six AM to watch the early sleep and you know on right. their weekends and things like that. Um, it's always fascinating to me what brings people to soccer who maybe weren't soccer fans when they were younger and that that's the thing that that gets me is cuz you know for me it was it was kind of a thing where I just I, I started playing FIFA a lot and I started mm-hmm. realizing that there were aspects of the game of soccer that I hated when I was a little kid but as a basketball fan as a hockey fan as even a football fan there were things that kind of clicked with me in the same way and it always fascinates me how people kind of get into the game yeah. And hopefully this is just going to be a source of national pride. I hope they beat the Netherlands and uh, they could play Argentina right after that, right? Yes, it would be. Um, yeah, Tim was talking about that. Uh, McKernan was talking about that yesterday. If the way it goes now, I'm pretty sure all the groups, the way it broke out yesterday, it would be if Argentina wins their group match against Australia or their knockout match against Australia and we beat the Netherlands, it would be us potentially knocking out Lionel Messi, which is funny to me because this might not be the only chance that St. Louis maybe has a Miami or a Messi connection as if he goes to Inter-Miami next year, depending on how the MLS season breaks out, we could be seeing Lionel Messi playing in St. Louis City Park next year. That would be awesome. That would be amazing. By the way, do any of the injuries that the USA is dealing with right now, would that affect their ability to affect, well, hopefully they would be back by next week, a week from tomorrow, against Argentina. But who would mar- who would you have Mark Messi? If you're Berhalter, who is the, the guy that's going to Mark Messi? Uh, I mean, I mean, Weston. Not Messier, but Messi. 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 That's what I call him. M-E-S-S-I. I would say I, I think I think Messi's ability to control the game from the middle of the field from pretty much the half mark 
all the way into the bo- all the way through the box. I think Weston McKinney is going to have a good he's going to have a big job in having to handle. And he's him, hurt right now, and he's a little bit hurt right now. So I, it's he's going to have to be healthy because the bottom line is if you have to lean completely on, and I'm not taking a shot here, it's just Lionel Messi is Lionel Messi. If you have to lean completely on a Cameron Carter Vickers and Tim Ream stopping him and containing him with just the back line, that's not going to work. That's when he's going to be able to, to to score some goals. You're going to need that extra heft from the midfield with a guy like McKinney who's you know a super athlete and one of the best midfielders in world football and, and especially the Italian league where he plays. So he's got to be the, the biggest one. He's got when it comes to the Argentina game, his health's the biggest one. I still think it's Polisic his health for the Netherlands game because again I talked about yesterday the possession and the counters. McKinney's just, dealing with a quad injury. Yes. And running in quad injuries usually don't, don't go together. And I, I was really worried about Sargent. We got some good news about him yesterday with the way that he landed with that ball that could tear your ankle up really bad, and so the fact that he seems to be getting out okay and he could even be healthy for the Netherlands, great news. And with apologies to Will Smith, you keep Tim Ream's name out your mouth. That's fair. I'm just saying. He's one of us. He's one of ours. I'm not against Tim Ream. He's a Saint Louisian. It's just that Lionel Messi is. Lionel you know, Messi, he, he's, 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 one, he's Lionel Messi. Lionel, right? Lionel Messi. He, don't, uh, sorry, this, this happens in sports. Sometimes you just respect guys too much. Yeah. He's Lionel Messi. Do you know how to? Uh, he's named after. <laughs> he's named after Little Train James. Did you, you, are you aware of that he's named after a former San Diego Charger running back? Is he really? Yeah. That's shocking. Yeah. I, I didn't know Argentina beat Charger country, huh? Yeah, big big Charger it's, country. It's the baby blue, isn't it? Yep. They, yep. they see all the baby. They see the baby blue, and they're like, right. oh, so, this works so, right here. Lionel Little Train Messi. Do you know how to say the name of the award? He keeps winning. I, I, Ballon, Ballon d'Or, Ballon d'Or. How do you say it? The the great soccer player, <laughs> great soccer player award. We've now successfully made the people who want us to talk about soccer happy and, then, and upset and angered them when we started making jokes about it in the last sixty seconds. Okay, how about this? Don't do it. MVP. There you yeah. go. Thank you. It makes life easy. Coming up next, Jeremy Rutherford to talk some blues here on one hundred and one ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report on 101 ESPN. Anything you folks want to know about the fascinating world of pro hockey, here we go. I think there's been games where they've done good and look, look good. Just not executing on their scoring side of things, I think, more than anything. Yeah. Overpassing, like not shooting. or And then you know, on, on the other side of things, just a little bit too much outside at times in the offensive zone. you got to get to the net. That's Chief Craig Berube. Jeremy Rutherford is with us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. He's our Blues insider from The Athletic. And, JR, I know you've heard this story about Ron Carano. I'll pass it along. My son, who's 28 now, the first sentence he ever learned, he ever learned, was, shoot the puck! Because Ron Karam would sit in the press box with us and clear as day, I mean, he's only four or five people down, he would scream a lot, shoot the puck! Oh, goodness, that's so right. Yeah. Is, is Doug Armstrong, now he's not in the same room as us, but is he is he saying, shoot the puck! to his team? He's uh, he has a few doors down, so I don't quite hear him. And uh, and uh, yeah, he wouldn't have the great uh, French Canadian accent as uh, Ryan Cron would there. But you're right. But we could hear Randy in the press box. We could hear the fans yelling, "Shoot the puck!" In the <laughs> right, right. And you have a great piece up with accompanying videos about exactly what the issues. First of all, let's let's start with this. Are there issues? But you explain what's going on. 
Do you think it is an issue? Is it a problem? Yeah, I think so, especially when you're talking about uh, 24 shots on goal and you're talking about five in the third period. Craig Bruby said it uh, in one of his other comments after the game is we didn't have that attack mentality in the third period. It's still a close game. It's still one nothing, and then 2 nothing, 2-1, and you only have five shots on goal in the third period. I had a lot of fun with this story. I worked on it all day yesterday, and what I did is I reached out to three former NHL players who have 600-plus goals, combined 1,200-plus points, combined. They played 43 years in the league, and I sent them, I emailed them four or five clips of the Blues in situations where they may or may not have shot the puck. And uh, I, I said to them, what are the players thinking here? Now, if they come back and they say, hey, I think what the player did here is fine, great. Then we as fans can look at that and say, hey, an NHL player believes they should not have shot the puck there. But there were a couple instances where the Blues indeed should have shot the puck. It was really interesting to hear from these guys because they spoke of things like Ivan Barbashev. He's kind of telegraphing a pass to Ryan O'Reilly across the middle. Ryan Suter sees it. He's able to step up and break it up. There's another situation where Tory Krug probably should have shot the puck. He turns and gives it back to Ryan O'Reilly. It gets broken up. There's so many nuances in the game going on that we don't know. But by and large, yes, there are situations definitely where they need to be shooting the puck a lot more. Hey, JR, you know, I, I love doing this show. And, and one of the reasons I love doing the show is the text line. We get a lot of texts from, from angry people all day long. So my question to you is, after you write an article, do you ever get a, a, an angry fan tweeting you or texting you or, or anyone? People don't know, JR. For those that don't know, JR, you're about what, 6'2, 6'3, 6'1, 6'2? Nice, decent <laughs> sized guy. So people don't just approach you, I'm sure. You're being but, nice. <laughs> but texting you, I'm sure, uh, or emailing you. Do you ever have any of those uh, people reaching out in that manner? And by the way, there's not a nicer person on earth than Jeremy Rutherford. I mean, you should just never a great be mean person. Well, yeah. Let's let's put it this way. So when I was at the Post Dispatch for you know twenty years and covering the team for fifteen, you know it had to be like an email, right? If they'd get upset about something, they'd they'd send an email. Now with Twitter, it just happens three seconds after the play happens. <laughs> so it, as soon as the Blues don't shoot a puck, the Twitter lights up with "What are they doing? That guy needs to go. This guy, so on and so forth." So yes, uh, the answer to your question right away. It's immediate. You hear from the fans on that. Jr. What about? And you were specific to the game against Dallas. What about Robert Thomas returning to the lineup? We all wish that he would pat or shoot more, but will his return tonight, as opposed to uh, the game against Dallas, will that enhance the Blues' offense in terms of getting shots on goal? Will will he be able to set more guys up? Yeah, you hope so. Uh, first of all, it provides uh, elite skill at the top of the lineup. Assuming that he's healthy, he's coming back from uh, what could have been a worse injury by all accounts, and so he'll be there. And if he's healthy, he's going to help. They missed him the other night, and it has that trickle-down effect with the lineup. We've seen that early in the season when Brandon Saad came back. It just provides a, a lot more depth. Now I think tonight it looks like you'll have you know, a guy like Jake Neighbors who was on the third line. Maybe he's on the fourth line. So um, in, in terms of setting guys up, though, you know, it, it's a mindset, and it's up to these individuals. These situations that we clipped with the video in the story today, they're going to be put in those same situations again tonight. And what do they do? Do they pull the trigger? Do they... Do they pass the puck and turn it over? You know, Craig Burby, the one thing we need to point out, he has always preached quality shots over quantity. I went back in these last five years that Craig Burby's coached the team, and they're always in the middle of the pack in terms of shots on goals. You're talking about, you know, 15th, 16th in the league, averaging about 30, 31 shots per game. So it's not that he wants 40, 42 shots per game. He wants the quality, but there are situations where there could be some quality and the Blues are passing those up. So it's up to these guys, even if Robert Thomas is in the lineup or not. So, Jr., I, I, 
it's really interesting because there are guys that we've seen over the years that when they shoot, we know they have no chance of putting the puck on net. And we say, why is that guy even bothering to shoot the puck? So it's got to be the, the right guys, too, right, trying to get the puck to the goal. Yeah, it really does. And I think some of the names I mentioned there, you're talking about a Barbashev, you're talking about a crew. Those are the right guys, I think, at times that need to be shooting. But look where the Blues got their goal the other night. Ryan O'Reilly on the forecheck in the corner, digs it out. Now it's on the stick of Josh Levo on the wall. And he just turns and throws it up. He knows that the Dallas defenders aren't ready. They're not in the lanes. That's the big part of the NHL today is those defensemen, those forwards, blocking shots. They weren't ready yet. He knows that. He throws the puck towards the net. doesn't even have to be on the net, and Brandon Sines there to tip it in. Those are the situations I think that if, if, if the Blues would make those happen more often, you could potentially see more goals. Now, I realize there's not going to be busted plays and you know defensemen not ready a lot like what happened in that situation. But nonetheless, that's how the Blues got their goal, and I think they could find more that way. Hey, JR, what did the Blues need to do to get Tarasenko going in terms of scoring goals? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, he went through that uh, slide. I think not just the nine-game scoring drought, but just two goals in the 17 games. But uh, he's come up big here lately with a couple, the one in Florida. Also drawn penalties. You know, I think if uh, he had the three drawn penalties in that game and you know, if the power plays convert, and you're probably giving Tarasenko more credit there. But bottom line, you know, you can talk about all that stuff. And, you know, he's got to score you 30, 35 goals. And, you know, he's nowhere close to, to doing that. So, you know, it's going to help with, Getting Thomas back, you know, we'll see who's on whose line. Thomas and Kyrou have had set so much uh, chemistry together. You know, uh, we don't know if uh, Tarasenko will see his way back onto that line. I just go to this, Kerry. You know, that line, and I know you guys came back from the break with that sound talking about uh, uh, Thomas and uh, Tarasenko and Abuchinevich. They just haven't had the chemistry that they had uh, last year. So I think probably Vladdy is looking at that situation, wishing they were clicking and going. And, and if not, he's got to find a line mate to connect with and, and score goals, and he's not doing it right now. Could you see a line with Tarasenko, um, Thomas, and, and Kairou? Would that make sense? Uh, yeah, it makes sense, but I think probably not only – you know, they've really – seem to think that uh, Cairo uh, plays his best hockey on the right side. So in that scenario, you'd be talking about Cairo on the left, which, you know, nothing wrong with it. You can mix and match all you want. I'm sure at some point we could uh, see that. Um, but right now, uh, I, I don't see that happening. Finally, JR, the Blues right now, if the playoffs started, would be out of a playoff spot. Of their 15 games in December, right now, 14 of them would be against teams that are either in a playoff spot or within one point of a playoff spot. And we're all well aware of what happened after Christmas and New Year's in 2019. But do you look at December as kind of a make-or-break month for the Blues to figure out what they're going to be? Yeah, isn't it funny? We always, from now to the end of time, have to put that 2019 disclaimer on there, yep. right? Yep, right. <laughs> to say that anything could happen. But I, I do, you know, I feel like Doug Armstrong, he has a really good handle and feel on what this team is right now, and he probably knows what he needs to do and will act upon it, you know, when the, uh, the timing is right in terms of when other teams are making deals. Uh, you know, whether that's closer to the trade deadline in February, March, you know, potentially. But he's going to get a really good view of, of what this team is over the course of the next few weeks for sure. I mean, you got Carolina tonight, then you got uh, Pittsburgh, both New York teams next week in New York. I mean, this is a pretty loaded schedule, and as you mentioned, uh, throughout the rest of the month too. So you'll definitely know what this team is like. Hey, let's give them a little bit of I feel like they played a really, really good Dallas team tough, but I think that there are still some of the same issues that we're talking about. And if we're still seeing – 
you know, defensive zone turnovers and we're still seeing a team that's not willing to, to put the puck on net, then they're not going to come up with a lot of wins in this month, and I think that uh, it's going to right itself. Hey, we were talking to John Kelly earlier, and he was talking about the amount of times that the Blues have given up three goals in a period. Right now they're sitting at uh, minus 15 in goal differential. What do they need to do to to prevent those <laughs> those number of goals in a period and, and just those number of goals overall? Yeah, and that's the thing, Kerry, is uh, you see, it, it seemed like they kind of cured that a little bit during that seven-game winning streak because it happened so often during the eight-game losing streak. There were four or five times where they gave up three goals within uh, a 10-minute span, and uh, then it didn't happen during the seven-game winning streak. They, they found uh, a way to, to, to prevent that. So, you know, I'll go back to I, when they're skating, when they're checking, and I realize not all teams around the league are doing that. There's so much young skill in the league. A lot of times – these teams just want to rush up and down the ice, um, but the Blues can do that. They got the players to do that, Thomas, Cairo, ETC. But I think that uh, when they skate and they play that checking brand of hockey, then they can prevent those clusters of goals from being scored against. And at times they have not done that, which I think has led to these situations. JR, we advise everybody to go to read your piece, the latest at The Athletic. We always thank you for your time. Thank you. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah, have a great weekend, guys. You too, thanks. That's Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the Arizona Cardinals have lost twice as much as they've won this year, but that record might not be their biggest problem. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Randy and Carrie break down the biggest story of the day on the Opening Drive. It's time for today's big thing. Kyler Murray is talking about, and and I don't like how he's doing that. I think he should keep some things privately, but it tells me he doesn't care about the head coach, his head coach. And he's putting everything on the head coach, basically saying Kyler Murray don't care about nobody but Kyler Murray. <laughs> That's just a matter of the fact. That is the voice of Patrick Peterson that you heard along with Brian McFadden with their podcast. And Patrick Peterson saying that Kyler Murray doesn't care about anybody except for himself. Kyler Murray responds on Twitter by writing, this isn't true. You on some weird blank. You got my number. If you really feel like this as a big bro or mentor, you're supposed to call me and tell me, not drag me so your podcast can grow. I would guess, though, CD, just based on the observations and the fact that the Cardinals did have to put it, that clause into Kyler Murray's contract about watching tape, my guess would be that Patrick Peterson probably isn't too far off the mark with his comment. Yeah, probably not. I think when you are uh, a teammate, you know who the good teammates are, who the guys are that you trust in that locker room, who the guys are that you would fight uh, and go to war with, go to battle with. Um, and if Kyler Murray as you said, had to have that in his contract. It probably feels like he is a me guy. And I think this goes back to, you know, his days at Texas A&M. He was a guy that almost pretty much tried to hold them hostage in terms of whether or not he could play football. He, I think he wanted to do both, play baseball and football. And there was some some disagreement and some misunderstanding. And essentially he ended up transferring to Oklahoma and getting the starting job and doing great things there. But he seems to always be when when things follow you from place to place and multiple people say the same thing about you when multiple people say the same thing about you and those people don't know one another but they're saying the same thing about you it's you 
It's not everyone else. It's you. It's you that has a problem. And Kyler Murray is frustrated, saying, big bro, you should say this. Mm -hmm. Patrick Peterson doesn't look at you like a little bro. Because if he did... He would have told you that while you all were playing together. He would have had, you know, other teammates explain that to you. You would have, you would have heard that from other people if people actually were big bros to you and 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 mentors to you. If they don't feel that way, there's no need for them to have that conversation with you. And this conversation was a result of the podcast guys, McFadden and Peterson, talking about the possibility that Cliff Kingsbury will be fired by the Cardinals. And Peterson said, ain't no maybe. He will. He will be fired. He will be. And the crazy thing about it is the guy who hired him will still have a job. That's Steve Kime, the general manager there. And, of course, the owner, Michael Bidwell, isn't going anywhere. But it seems to me, based on what you just said, that whoever the new coach is will probably still run into some some of the same issues with Kyler Murray. As I said, when you are when you have multiple people saying the mm-hmm. same thing, yep. it, it's you. And I think Patrick Peterson, who played a, 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 a big chunk of his career in in Arizona, has a feel for that locker room, for that group of guys. He's not saying something that I'm sure, and I don't know this because I haven't talked to Patrick Peterson, but Mm -hmm. I'm sure he's still in communication with former teammates on that team. Hey, man, how's the season going? Man, you know, same old, same old. One doing the same thing he's been doing. And Mm -hmm. and there, that's all you need because those guys that are in the locker room are telling a guy that used to be in the locker room, hey, nothing has changed. This is how it is. This is how it's been. And when you're the head coach, people – as much as I, I disagree with Bruce Arians on a lot of things, one thing I will say, when he got to Tampa, he held Tom Brady accountable and and mm-hmm. made sure he protected him in times when Tom didn't know it was fourth down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, yeah, he made right. a mistake. Oh, he knew. He, he, he didn't know. But in, in terms of making sure that his quarterback was doing the right things and, and holding him accountable, he did that. And I think good coaches – do that with their star players, their star quarterbacks. I think about Greg Popovich and the the San San Antonio Spurs. He held Tim Duncan to the same standard that he held everyone else to on that team, and that's how you win championships. And if if Cliff Kingsbury is not able to hold Kyler Murray to a standard, to a a level of expectation, they won't be good, and he will lose his job because of it. And a coach walks in behind the eight ball because of that contract, right? Yeah. Who is Kyler Murray going to respect now? He doesn't have to. He he's paid, and that's the the issue you run into with some people when you pay them. That that reveals their character of who they really are. If you felt the need to put a, a stipulation in his contract that he had to study X number of hours and not play video games, you probably should not have signed him to the contract. Yeah, exactly. You should have if if when you were sitting that down and typing that up, something inside of you should have said, "What? Why do we have to put this in here?" Why is this a necessity? What is it about him that is forcing us to put this into this contract? Maybe it's him and it's not just us. We need to figure out where we're going and how we need to go about it. But it's too late. You did it. You made that 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 decision. You're stuck with with uh, Kyler Murray for the, the 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 extended future for the next four or five mm-hmm. years. You're attached to him, whether the, the whether Cliff King Clint Kingsbury is the coach or not. He's still going to be a part of that organization, and it's still going to be teammates that are coming in and out that are still dealing with the same things unless he decides to be a better teammate and a better person. Next up on the opening drive, who are the threats to Philadelphia in the NFC and Kansas City in the AFC? Ross Tucker of the Ross Tucker Podcast will join us to answer those questions next on 101 ESPN. 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line now to talk some football with our friend Ross Tucker, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. You can check him out on social media, at Ross Tucker NFL, and he knows everything going on in the National Football League. Good morning, Ross. How you doing? Awesome. How are you guys doing? Everything's outstanding here in St. Louis. And I, I want to start with this because in my mind, Ross, Philadelphia and Kansas City are prohibitive favorites to play each other in the Super Bowl. I want you to give me a, the biggest threat to each of those teams, the Eagles and the Chiefs in their conferences. Good question. Um, for the Chiefs, I don't know. I, I'm kind of thinking right now maybe the Miami Dolphins, which is you know, feels weird to say, but something's not quite right with the Buffalo Bills. I don't think the Titans really or the Jets really have the talent or the quarterback to do it. I don't like what I've seen from the Ravens. The Bengals could do it again, but I don't know that I'll see that. We'll see that rematch on Sunday. So I think I would go with the Miami Dolphins. You know, I think, I don't know what the stat is, but I think they're like 7-0 and maybe, maybe 8-0. When Tua has both started and finished the game, they're just playing with a lot of confidence. It's a perfect marriage of player and coach with Tua Tungavailoa and Mike McDaniel. I was talking about that actually this morning with Greg Cosell on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. He really does an in-depth study on the Dolphins because he's fascinated by how they're clicking right now. So I, I think I'd say the Dolphins, which – it's, you know, you never like saying that because they don't have any recent playoff pedigree. So it mm-hmm. feels like they'd be coming out of nowhere. But I do think it's the Dolphins. And the NFC, probably either the Cowboys or the Niners. You know, I know the Vikings are 9-2, and two, but I, I think the Cowboys and Niners would have a better chance of going into Philly and knocking off the Eagles just because of their pedigree and, and really their defenses, right? The Vikings' defense is not that great. I think the Cowboys and Niners defense gives them a chance to be able to take down the birds. Hey, Ross, you, you mentioned the Miami Dolphins, but you did not mention the Buffalo Bills, who were probably the prohibitive favorite to, to win the Super Bowl coming into this season. What are your thoughts on them in the, the last few games that they've had and how they've gone about those? Still a good team, no doubt, but I don't know. Something's kind of off with them. You know, I, I thought it was interesting – Greg Cosell again said on the on the uh, Ross Tucker podcast this morning that he thinks their O line is just kind of average. They're trying to run the ball, but it's not really what they do best. And they have one really good receiver in Stephon Diggs, but he kind of feels like the other guys are just guys. So we all, all of us, are enamored by Josh Allen and what he's done and what he presumably will continue to do, but. He said they're not like a super talented group around him. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing. I mean, he's saved them some games so that they've won, but then there have been other games where he hasn't been able to get that done. Most recently, like the Vikings and Jets games, where they need him to be Superman every game, and when he's not, when he's anything less than Superman, they lose. You can follow Ross Tucker on social media, Ross Tucker NFL, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. And Ross, it looks from here in St. Louis like the Jets have messed up another high-pick quarterback. Have they? 
Well, it, you're right. It certainly does look like that. Um, I don't know. I don't know that that I, I don't know is the answer, but I think it's probably unlikely, especially in New York, that Zach Wilson comes back from this to be a really good player. I mean, it's possible, right? But how many of those stories do you know? How many of those can you think of when a guy that's played like this, played like he has, has come back to play at a really high level for that franchise? Seems like, if anything, he would need sort of a change of scenery to have a better shot at it. Hey, Ross, we had a uh, hypothetical trade scenario yesterday where we see the uh, Green Bay Packers trading one Aaron Rodgers to the Detroit Lions for one of their uh, two first-round picks. What are your thoughts on that, and do you think that that could be a uh, something feasible for both parties? Well, I think the issue with the Packers trading Aaron Rodgers is twofold. Number one, I really don't think they would want to do that in division. You know, that would really surprise me. And then also, I just, the cap hit, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but the cap hit for the Packers to trade Rodgers is significant. And I think he's guaranteed like $60 million next year. And I don't know, with the way he's played this week, I don't really know that, I mean, this year I should say, I don't know that anybody really wants to pay that. Are you sure you want to be on the hook? for $60 million for Aaron Rodgers next week and next year, because I'm not. What do they do with Jordan Love? I mean, that that situation at some point is going to come to a head where, you know, he's going to be out of his rookie contract and they're going to have to resign him. What is the the process for for them trying to figure out what to do with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers, both on the roster? Well, they're uh, they're in a bad spot. I mean, they're in a really bad spot right now because they want to see what Jordan Love has But if you look at the financials, if Aaron Rodgers says, I want to play again next year, they're kind of stuck. They can't cut him. I mean, they have to give him $60 million if they cut him because the money's fully guaranteed. Now, if if he went somewhere else, there would be an offset. But still, I don't think that's real likely. So I think that's a problem, number one. Um, I think they probably would want to move on from Jordan Love but they kind of need Aaron Rodgers to participate. They kind of need Aaron Rodgers to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to retire. Because if he wants to play, it's more than likely going to be in Green Bay. And, and he has all the control with his contract. Uh, Ross, one last thing from me. Obviously, the L.A. Rams went all in last year to win the Super Bowl. They did. But now it sure looks like they're in for at least a few years of at best mediocrity. Number one, I think we can all agree that winning the Super Bowl is worth it. But what's the future look like for the Rams? Yeah, I, I, I agree that it is worth it. I am so curious, Randy, to see whether they kind of double down on this group of guys, you know, Stafford and Cup and Aaron Donald and Ramsey, or whether they kind of start a rebuild, I think they'll probably double down. You know, you have arguably the best receiver. You have a good quarterback. You have two of the top ten defensive players. I I think they almost feel like they've kind of – almost feel like they've come too far to – to, to, to give up on it now. So I'm really curious to see how they go about this offseason. Finally, Ross, uh, we're here on December 1st, and my wife has everything. I have no idea what to get her. I just, I just don't. Can you, you got any tips for me? 
You know what, Randy? I'm the same way. I literally went shopping for my wife last night. No idea. No, no idea. I got her like some lame board games. Uh, now I would get her. What you should get her is a story all about her from myfrontpagestory.com. Think about all the media attention you've gotten over the years, Randy. All of the love. Everybody loves Randy character. Has anybody ever written a story all about your wife and how awesome she is? Has she ever gotten like the front page treatment she deserves for putting up with you and all the little things she does when you're traveling to Canton, Ohio for the Hall of Fame for the weekend or whatever? Honestly, get a story written all about her. She will be so surprised. She doesn't even know it's out there. She doesn't even know this is a thing you can do. Get a story written all about a loved one. And it just sounds awesome. Honey, I want to do something special for you. So I had a story written about you. Like that sounds amazing. And then when she reads the quotes, here's the money quote to give Randy to say, just say, I never tell her enough how much I appreciate all the little things she does. That's it. That's all you need to say. That's the money quote right there. She will cry. You will win. Myfrontpagestory.com. Carrie, get yourself one while you're at it. Myfrontpagestory.com. <laughs> Ross, you're the man. We appreciate it. Great to hear your voice. Have, have a happy holiday season if we don't speak to you uh, b- before Christmas. And keep up the great work at the Ross Tucker Podcast, and people can follow you at Ross Tucker NFL. Sounds great. See you guys. See you guys. Take care. That is uh, Ross Tucker, our friend and football aficionado and expert, former Washington player. Yes. Good good guy to talk guy. to. He knows what he's great talking about. Coming up, we're going to head down the stretch with What's on Tap here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. by supporting this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts hosted by the Fastlane and 101 ESPN. Donate at least $25 online between now and December 12th to support the Little Bit Foundation. You'll get your choice of either uh, Jamie Rivers or Brad Thompson 101 ESPN jersey as a gift for your donation. Make your donation now during the Fastlane's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign at 101ESPN.com. 101 ESPN's 12 Days of T-Shirts is powered by McBride Homes. Get yours at 101ESPN.com. I asked a question of the guys during the break. Which team in the NFL has the best combination? And so you got to have some depth here. Quarterback, running back, tight end, number one wide receiver. And we went through some teams, guys, and we talked about the Chargers, talked about the Chiefs, talked about the, the Bengals. What about, and Dallas, what about San Francisco? Jimmy G's not yeah. the best, but I mean, you've got McCaffrey, you've got Kittle, you've got Debo. Yeah. I like that. I like that combination. I was looking at the Miami Dolphins as well. They, they, the running back probably not, but they have Mike Gesicki at yep, tight end. Nice they player. have um, Tyreek at, at receiver and and two at quarterback. You got Raheem Mostert or, or Jeff Wilson at running back, either or. But I, I like that combination as well. T.J. Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook, uh, Justin Jefferson, Kirk Cousins. Yeah, really you know, good. What's interesting is each one of these groups is going to have one position that is not the elite of that group. When right. you talk about the Chiefs, you would say probably wide receiver and running back for them is not the elite position. Uh, when you would talk, the Philadelphia Eagles may be the one team that you say Goddard when he's healthy, A.J. Brown, uh, Jalen Hurts, and Miles Sanders would probably be 
the best core group of of all of the groups that you would think of off the top of my head. I can't I can't really think of a better group than than that one. And if you were going to just take one group, though, I, let me put it this way: number one, I love Cincinnati, but. I can get by with a running back if I have Josh Allen, Dawson Knox, and Stephon Diggs. You just give me a, give yeah, me we, Devin we, Singletary. We see, I was gonna say we see them doing <laughs> right? that. Yeah, yeah, that's what they're doing, right? But uh, man, I, I this is very interesting. I'm, Burrow is awesome. Hayden Hurst would be the outlier here. Burrow's yeah. awesome. Mixon's awesome. Jamar Chase is awesome. So Hayden Hurst will be. And maybe that's a situation where you say, okay, well, just give me Hayden Hurst and I'll take my chances, right? Because it is, you're totally on the mark here, Kerry, when if, you say it's hard to find a team that has all four being elite. If I gave you the Arizona Cardinals with Zach Ertz at tight end, because you said healthy, yep, uh, uh, Hopkins at, at, at receiver, Connor at running back, and Kyler Murray at quarterback, you would think that that team would would have the potential to be very good as well. You would think so. Right? Not. But well, and they, one would think they didn't have D-Hop for the first half of the season. They've missed Murray for a couple of games. By the way, they were better without Murray for those couple of games. I, Connor was hurt earlier, so they just I, haven't had the guys healthy. I got another one for you. Cooper Cup, Matthew Stafford, um, Tyler Higby mm-hmm. at tight end. And, and the running back. Yeah, pick one. Yeah. <laughs> but if they're healthy, that that is a That's still a pretty substantial a pretty good group. Team. Yeah. yeah. And this is totally fantasy football because we are mentioning offensive linemen. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, they, we're not going to count those guys right now. Does that change my answer demonstrably? If you did add in like the left tackle, well, or the, that's or, or, their be, or the best offensive lineman How about, that they have on their roster. Now let, let's go healthy again, okay? Okay. And here's a team that has what I consider three elite, but one really an important one missing. But you've got Lamar, you've got J.K. Dobbins, you've got Mark Andrews. Yeah. But you need a receiver in Baltimore. They, they've always needed a receiver yeah. in Baltimore. You know a team that is is interesting on that list, if if healthy, again, the Jets. With yeah. Brees Hall, now Mike White. You got Garrett Wilson as a number one receiver. And they got Conklin, who is a very good tight end as well. That is a that that is a and it, it speaks to why the, the AFC West is is so stacked and why they potentially have a yep. have a chance to all make it to the playoffs. Same for the NFC West. Those guys are 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 a very good group of football teams that that collectively. So when I'm awake at three o'clock in the morning thinking about this very segment, <laughs> another team we didn't bring up. Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae, and Darren Waller. Yes, oh, yeah. that's probably that that's, might be the best. Gosh, the Raiders yeah. are such a disappointment. That yeah. might be the best one. Darren Waller hasn't played all year, right? Essentially, he he's played spottingly, you know, sparingly here and there, but he hasn't played often enough to here, make an impact. Here's a question: Three years from now, how is Kerry Davis reacting to the trio of Pickett, Pickens, and Fryermuth? And, and Najee, Najee, Najee Harris, if, he, if he's I, able to snap back, they yep. are they are going to be one of the best offenses, skill set, skill guys in the league. That that's my. I think George Pickens is outstanding. I think he him getting drafted was one of the best oh, so draft picks. Pick to Pickens, I mean, come on, yeah, that's got to happen. That's got to happen, thing, right? And, and then you eventually, I think the Steelers are going to have to go offensive line in the draft heavy next year. Free agency, they got to find more guys that can move more people. Um, and if they do that and get Najee Harris running downhill instead of laterally, which is amazing to me, it drives me nuts when you have <laughs> a 230-pound running back going sideline to sideline, go end zone to end zone and make things happen, I think they'll be a better team. The guy that can change the league next year 
is Trey Lance. If Trey I'm Lance not, is any good, if he's I any good. haven't seen anything. No, we, we haven't. But if you put Trey Lance with that group <sighs> and, and he's any good, that's the key. I don't. I haven't seen anything either, but he's only played two games. Yeah. Oh, you know what? There, <laughs> Jacksonville could be something in a couple of years. There's a group that we did leave out. Yeah, the, the, the Cleveland yeah, Browns. Yeah, the Cleveland Browns. We don't, yeah, and Joku. Yeah. Yeah. God forbid I don't want to talk about yeah. Sean Watson. How, how, Deshaun Watson. And, and Amari. I don't want to talk about we'll, Sean Watson. We'll see him this weekend. Yeah, that's another good group. Good that call. That is a really good yeah, group. It really is. Yep. So, and Joku, I thought, man, I thought he was done. Yeah, I thought he was done. For talking about a guy who who splashes in his rookie year, then disappears for like four years, and then comes back and he's a solid player again. I cut him. I, I was figuring on Deshaun's fantasy team that uh, Njoku would be the guy. Yeah, but I cut him, uh, thinking that the rookie yeah. in Tampa would do something. Yeah, yeah. Tight ends have been really hit or miss this season yeah, for fantasy it. football, unless you got Travis Kelsey. Yeah, even George Kittle has been up and down. Yeah. You're right. Uh, thank you, Matthew. Matthew Rocky, our producer engineer, doing great work as always. Pleasure. And uh, did we? Did you get a text back from Ricky Horton? I, I on the air asked uh, to to come get in touch with Ricky Horton about tomorrow. I actually, when you asked me on the air, I uh, didn't want to text him in that moment, oh, okay. so I typed out the text, and I'm about to send it right now. Okay, Ricky Horton's going to be collecting for the Salvation Army's 75th Tree of Lights campaign tomorrow at Schnooks on the Hill on Arsenal. Ricky will be there at 1 o'clock, Al Roboski 2 to 3. Mo from 3 to 4 is going to be collecting at the Schnooks on Arsenal, 3 to 4 tomorrow, and 10 to 11 a.m. tomorrow. Danny Mack with Mike Gersh. CD, this has been great. I appreciate it. Oh, it's sending right now. He sent it right now. Yeah, we appreciate you tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us. Until tomorrow morning at 7, have a great day, St. Louis. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, bet online for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online where the game starts. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.